Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hopefully the progress bar is actually working. It's always confusing, ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of the show here with Zoom, so I just kind of talk randomly. But anyway, welcome, folks. Uh, thanks very much for uh, hopping on. Dee is going to tell everyone who can and cannot be here in a second. Go for it, Dee. What's going on, everybody? Hope everybody had a great week so far. The show is for educational and entertainment purposes only. You have to be 21 and over to be here. If not, you have to get out. Cheers. That's the way. Cheers, Dee. Thank you very much. Uh, like Dee said, ladies and gentlemen, this show is for adults only. Uh, getting some intense sound coming in here. There we go. Uh, so so the show is for adults only. Ladies and gentlemen, probably our audience is going to be so shocked. Like, what? They're early today. <laughs> anyway, cheers, Narfi. What's going on, buddy? For a change, we're not on stoner time. Anyway, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have two great guests for a change uh, with you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have uh, Seattle Chronic Seats uh, at long last uh, and uh, Captain Steven, I guess we're going to call him. And we also have our good friend Romulan Genetics back. So we're going to play it by ear, ladies and gentlemen. It might be a new form of discussion here. Uh, we've got plenty of great questions to ask uh, Seattle Chronic and uh, get to know him a little bit better. I certainly don't know his genetics. Cheers, Smash. Good to see you. Certainly don't know his genetics or, or him very well, so it'd be super fun to get to know him. But also, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to still do guest rules, but we're going to do potentially something a little bit different today, whereby I really would like to, if we can, uh, get some conversation between these two breeders, uh, because I think both of them are you know top-tier breeders, but people who have different different perspectives basically on things. So it'll be fun. Or I thought it would be fun to get their comparison and contrast or whatever. They're, they're different uh, uh, perspectives on breeding. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this party started. Like I said, cheers, Narfi, cheers, Midwest Grown, cheers, Small Tubes, cheers, uh, uh, Smoke Sins and Billy Martin, Steve K in the house, Crime More Grows, welcome everybody. Make sure to switch to live chat so you guys get a less filtered uh, chat experience here. Where am I at with the freaking disclaimers and everything else? Here we go. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys uh, uh, thought that this was a cannabis show, you are completely and wholeheartedly mistaken. We once upon a time did talk about cannabis. It's true. Uh, uh, you heard right. But uh, we learned better. We, we are better and bigger and stronger people now. We definitely don't talk about cannabis anymore because it's naughty. These days we talk about fake cannabis, ladies and gentlemen. We talk about movie-friendly cannabis, cinema-friendly cannabis, all the cannabis that you can talk about at a movie set, basically, like where they film Star Wars or whatever. In fact, today we have cannabis uh, FedEx to everyone, FedEx to all the people on the show. See all that, the bubble hash, all that. That's from the set of Mandalorian, ladies and gentlemen. So it's, it's real <laughs> cannabis. Not exactly right. It's not fake cannabis at all. Uh, by the way, that baby Yoda, just fucking adorable. Anyway, uh, so uh, it really is. That's it really, it's it's, so just, it, it's too much. It's just too freaking adorable. But anyway, uh, was I saying uh, that uh, even if we were to talk about cannabis, ladies and gentlemen, it is actually perfectly legal wherever we are. Uh, smashed over Massachusetts, California, all these different places, Oklahoma, uh, in Canada, it's federally legal. It is actually legal to talk about cannabis. We can grow it. We can smoke it. Of course, not everyone can grow it. Ironically, I was in Washington a few days ago and they can't freaking, they don't have home grow there. Can you believe that? Yeah, I had Chad Westport and he's from Washington. Ridiculous. Yeah, you have to go through so many hoops to get there. There is medical he pays grow, for it. but you have to, yeah, you have to and it was a little bit easier if you were grandfathered in. It's a lot more difficult now to get even, even if apparently if you have the same conditions, it's apparently a lot more difficult. It's like no, that's not for us. But yeah, the rest of us, true. ladies and gentlemen, yeah, honestly, it pays, pays, bears repeating that we should protect our home grow rights, ladies and gentlemen. They'll take them away from you and you won't even know, basically, uh, before it's gone. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, like I say, ironically, we can actually actually talk about cannabis. So if you were to, uh, if someone reports this show, for example, for what is it, dangerous, and harmful content, whatever, please remember, if you're watching the show, that the, the cannabis content is actually legal. And of course, remember that it's fake cannabis content. Apologies for the, the lung sounds, ladies and gentlemen. I'm still sick. Like, 
two and a half weeks later, basically after going like roller skating at Oaks Park, I still probably got COVID or something. It's ridiculous. Still a little bit sick. Anyway, I gotta <laughs> say that pipe that uh, that bong Rami has got fire. Oh, yeah. that's a nice looking bong. I just, bong, I just yeah. got this thing recently. I it's love this thing. Yeah, I love that uh, way It's a uh, cast of glass. That you made it. That's uh, funny. I was watching a, a, bl- a blacksmithing video and the guy was basically making a Damascus. Uh, he was making a Damascus. Damascus. Yeah, but he was making it out of um, hexagonal rods or whatever that he put together and then basically welded it all together. And then the cool part was that he actually twisted the whole thing. And then when he actually reforged the blade, you saw this incredible like twisted almost like DNA strand in there. Anyway, it reminded me of that because basically they took the glass and actually twisted it. But anyway, <coughs> I think that's that sound. Not his sound, but the sound of my freaking lungs gurgling. So ladies and gentlemen, if you were curious about the content on the show, we do not under any circumstances talk about extremely dangerous challenges. Challenges that pose an imminent risk of physical uh, injury are never discussed on this show, as well as also dangerous or threatening pranks would never be discussed on the show. Pranks that lead victims to fear imminent, serious physical danger or that create serious emotional distress in minors never discussed on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, why would we ever discuss that on the show? Instructions to kill or harm are never under any circumstances found on the show. Showing viewers how to perform activities meant to kill or maim others, for example, giving instructions to build a bomb meant to injure or kill others would and will and is and has never been discussed on this freaking show. Hard drug use or its creation, content that depicts abuse of or given instructions on how to uh, create hard drugs, such as cocaine or opioids. Hard drugs are defined as drugs that can mostly lead to physical addiction. Uh, In certain circumstances on this show, people might talk about their past, where they interacted with some of those drugs, for example, cocaine or other opioids. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not under any circumstances consider those to be an endorsement uh, or endorsements. Uh, Second of all, you should consider those to be fictionalized story. And third, honestly, we're just basically uh, telling you uh, stories about many of our pasts. So ladies and gentlemen, under no circumstances are those encouragements of using cocaine or other uh, hard drugs. Eating disorders are not discussed in the show. Content that praises, glorifies, or encourages viewers to imitate anorexia or other eating disorder. Uh, we start over. Content that praises, glorifies, or encourages viewers to imitate anorexia or other eating disorders is not found in the show. Eating disorders are characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits, which negatively affect a person's health, including eating non-food items. Do those things, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, just seriously, right? The instructional theft or cheating is not shown in this show. Showing viewers how to steal tangible goods or promoting dishonest behavior is never discussed in the show. Hacking. We do not hack. We do not teach you how to hack. Demonstrating how to use computers or information technology with the intent to steal credentials, compromise personal data, or cause serious harm to others, such as but not limited to hacking into social media accounts, is not found in the show. And finally, bypassing payment for digital content or services is not shown in the show, ladies and gentlemen, showing viewers how to use apps, websites, or other information technology to gain unauthorized access to audio content, audiovisual content, full video games, software, or streaming services that normally require payment is never shown on the show. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we keep our nose, noses clean on this show. I hope that you keep your noses clean as well. Please do not, under any circumstances, uh, uh, feel that we are encouraging illegal behavior on this show. We talk about only exclusively legal things on this show. So there is quite literally nothing to report. There's nothing dangerous. There's nothing harmful. And everything that we're talking about, we are perfectly capable and willing to talk about and no one is being coerced in any way or anything else. So there is quite simply nothing to report. I really emphasize there is nothing to report on this show. Anyway, with that said, uh, welcome to the guests. Welcome, Captain Steubing. Welcome. Uh, your official name, I guess, is Seattle Chronic Seeds. Uh, welcome, bud. Cheers. Uh, uh, what we do normally is we do like a quick intro and you know we'll say hello to everybody and then we'll get in the meat of the, the interview. But cheers, buddy. What's What's going on? 
Not a lot, man. I'm down here in Oklahoma now, kind of to work down here, so it's a little bit of a transition from uh, Seattle normally, but yeah. Um, you want me to just kind of give a spiel about myself, where I come from, kind of my background? Sure, go for it. How'd you get started, man? So originally, um, I got started kind of helping friends out back a um, long, long time ago, uh, pre, you know, in the prohibition days. And so, uh, kind of helping friends out who were um, growing at the time, uh, learning kind of larger scale stuff. And then um, probably around 2008 or nine, um, a lot of my friends kind of uh, moved to California. Um, I stayed back and just kind of did my own thing, um, got into breeding. Um, from there, really, I just kind of um, started developing my own, you know, style. I really got into it um, with raw, cool, uh, conventional, synthetic uh, feeding, you know, through giant nutrient tanks. And, um, yeah, I just, I really dove into organics, got into KNF roughly around 2011, 12. It started kind of picking up steam around then. Um, and so I visited a class, one of the first ones that they had kind of out towards the Northwest and, um, yeah, picked up a lot of skill sets from that, started really learning on natural farming, applying it to indoor, uh, gardening as well. And then, um, yeah, I just kind of developed my own style of, you know, organic and then doing Synganic as well, um, developing SOPs for companies and um just kind of the licensing thing in uh washington we had a deal with like you were talking about earlier with medical um, basically <clears throat> at one point we had a glorious program just like california and it just kind of got you know pulled out in 2015 and so it's like a lot of people fought for uh, home growth and things of that nature but they completely were against it i mean they're in favor of you know, more of the criminal nature of it having to go to a recreational store um, and then giving up your gun rights and things like that. Um, just simple things when you go into, you know, sign up for your medical program that you wouldn't have to do prior. Like in Oklahoma, uh, you really don't, you know, have to have, <laughs> have any of those standards at all. I mean, it was, it was pretty wild west when I first came out here. And so that's kind of what convinced me for the most part. It's just, you know, the strict laws in Washington versus coming here and it being a little more lax. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, every Tuesday I smoke uh, uh, like dispensary oh. weed these days because uh, speaking of like seeds and stuff, uh, all my wheat is my fault, but all my wheat is seeded at the moment. So basically like, kind of bad timing. It just takes too long to like undo the seeds and stuff basically as I'm, you know, talking. Anyway, so like, like I say, it's kind of a, a fun experiment too, because I mostly never really uh, go to dispensaries. And there's been some good weed and there's been some bad weed, but this weed, I'm just going to interrupt everybody essentially to say like, I, as soon as I open it up, I was like, is that a, it is, it's a fucking nanner. So just in case you guys are curious, uh, as soon as I opened up the package, it was, where are we at here? We've got two little pictures uh, of uh, delightful, delightful nanners here. So that's, uh, you can uh, see, I was like, wait, is that it? What? No way. No fucking way. And then sure enough, I got my macro lens out. My little phone macro lens. Where's that freaking picture? Here it is. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a there's a nanner. So you can imagine how good this garden must be. Like a professional <laughs> garden when their commercial weed just has nanners is right there. Just right at the top of the thing. Just boom. Just right there. Anyway. 
But so I'm sure this is going to be the best eighth that I have smoked in a long time. Smoking uh, apple tarts number five, apparently. Um, in the meantime, let's introduce the rest of the crew uh, before we get back to the rest of it. Cheers, D. What's going on, my friend? Okay, quick question though. Did you get the two dollar? Uh, I did not. I went to a different store this week. I went to uh, Floyd's. Went to Floyd's today. Uh -oh. um, I was going to Nectar, and to be honest, Floyd's is not famous. And you know, I wouldn't shit on them because they're they're placed in the market. Basically, they always advertise kind of cheap baits and stuff. And I think that's a good thing. I honestly think that's a good thing that people can get. People shit on this all the time, our, us weed nerds and stuff. But honestly, us weed nerds have weed coming out of our ears, right? Like it's 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 different for us to smoke weed. Like I think it's a good thing that people can get cheap weed and have a better time. You know what I mean? So places that don't necessarily charge too much, I think it's a good thing too. But anyway, still, this was basically their premium uh, eighth, one of their premium eights, and it still had nanners on it. So anyway, it is. How much? What's that, Smash? How much? Uh, fuck. Where's the receipt? Uh, here it is. Oh, and I also got decent-looking bubble hash for crazy cheap. Uh, after tax, this grease monkey bubble hash looks Ooh. fine. Doesn't have a lot of smell yet, so we'll see. But it, it's definitely bubble hash. Doesn't say which you it is, whatever. So it's probably just basically uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, full uh, all the bags, pretty much. Uh, but uh, grease monkey bubble hash, twenty bucks out the door, basically. Anyway, this hey. was. I can do that. Grease monkey right here. I think this was $25. I think the, the eighth was 20. Yeah, not too bad. But for, so, not, I think about it, they had a tier above that. Maybe it wasn't the, they had like color coding. It's very confusing. But anyway. So the top smash. Tier, What's going on, bud? 50 bucks. Say again? The top tier eighth tier are still like 50, 60 bucks. I was going to say, yeah, they had 40 and I guess also 25. So I must have gotten the second to the top tier. But now that I think about it, the top tier was like not good. They had, uh, Cherry runts, no, Tropicana runts or some fucking runts, whatever. And just it had this boof, smell like hay. And they had a couple other ones that were looked okay, but just like smalls. And I was like, I mean, that's not a premium eighth for fucking smalls. Yeah, I so got, anyway, I got yeah. lost the other day. Sorry, you, you cut out for, for a second. Oh, I got ripped off the other day. Uh, I went to the dispensary. They didn't say it was small nugs. I bought an ounce and it was all small nugs. Oh, that's annoying. So, by the way, what's going on, Smashed? Uh, welcome to the show. Hanging out, man. Doing doing the stream every Monday night. Trying to get cool guests on. Um, last night was interesting having uh, someone that owned a facility in Massachusetts. Uh, Samantha Sensi, right? I guess I misunderstood. I thought she probably worked for Sensi Magazine or something, but that's just her name. Her, her yeah, title is Samantha Sensi. Right on. Cool. She seems um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she said any of the outdoor produced in Massachusetts really never makes it to the market because it all has to get remediated. I heard that. Uh, I wonder why that. Is. I guess this is not the, the interview, but that's an interesting uh, thought. I wonder why that is. Just the rules that they enacted in Massachusetts or what? Well, they say that's just rigorous testing and a lot of the flour just won't go through. And when you remediate it. So it's literally failing. So it's not necessarily that they were so hardcore in their uh, rules. It's that the flower places are failing. Mm -hmm. How interesting. We should talk about that later. Uh, I guess moving on through the panel, uh, I guess before we introduce the other uh, uh, sort of unofficial guest. Cheers, Flora. What's going on, bud? You're muted, buddy. Oh, oh still How's muted. Oh, cheers, bud. Uh, you can't hear me? We can hear you. No, no you can uh, you know, chilling. 
come and see, you know, heard you're going to have this uh, famous guy on. So. Yeah, man. There's two uh, famous guys on. And yeah, we got a nice panel, actually. We got like four or five breeders on here. We might have a few other people that pop in here. It's actually a nice, nice little panel here. Uh, by the way, uh, for Romulan is familiar, but for Captain Steubing, we do things a little bit differently here. Uh, it is basically kind of a primarily, primarily like an interview show, but we have this sort of whole panel here. So if you can visualize like a, a cafe or a, a cannabis pub or something, basically, where, you know, a lot of regulars come in here, this is kind of that story. But anyway, I guess speaking of the other uh, guests, welcome, Romulan. What's going on, bud? How's it going? Doing all right. Nice to see you again, man. <clears throat> I'm just hanging out. No, man. Welcome. Good to see you. Uh, and then I guess he just slipped in under the radar before we keep moving on. Captain 420, welcome. Captain Mike muted. Captain 420 is uh, hooking up, maybe? or He might be still setting up. Oh, he's still setting up. Well, I guess let's get back to it. So what was I talking about? We were talking about the, uh, oh, you were saying you have your own version of uh, organics. Tell us about that a little bit. Everybody, I always talk about how, even if you think you're doing something, the Coots mix or whatever different certain way, there's so many decisions in every single grow that every single grow is completely different. So what's what's your your story? That's funny. And so that's <laughs> funny too that it, it, like for the longest time that's kind of, the thing was like super soils and cooking, you know, different mixes. And I ran a modified coots mix for a very long time. And so, <clears throat> I mean, that was until I started learning about, you know, KNF and things of that nature, uh, just, you know, indigenous microbes, um, uh, different organisms, how to collect things like uh, fermented plant juice, fruit juices, different, just different things that kind of pertain to nutrient cycles that we already were, you know, feeding in bottles essentially. And so it was kind of like figuring out all these different plants that they, they were essentially providing the same nutrients, um, but you were going out locally or able to grow them. And so um, just kind of being able to tailor my own specific program to certain cultivars or things of that nature. Um, I kind of geeked out for a very long time doing that. Um, and then I kind of stepped back for a little bit and um, I had to do it on kind of a large scale on that. It was super exhausting for a little bit. And um, yeah, from there out, I just, I, I kind of, I, I still do um, organics for the most part. I do some Synganic as well. Um, just playing around with both with a light, you know, salt feed, uh, lower EC. Uh, nothing crazy, but like I said, just kind of helping out and developing SOPs for people who uh, generally are lacking terps. I mean, what we talk about on this this show mostly is that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that organics has the best flavor, the best. I mean, my channel is literally called Fumor and the Flavors. I think there's no way to... Uh, get the same kind of level of flavor from anything, from cannabis, from tomatoes, from oranges, from anything, basically, except for organics. But I've heard repeatedly, and I just heard from a, a guy I trust, actually, in Oklahoma, who, you know, I guess, how do you say it? He's uh, at the front line or whatever of the weed scene, you know, interacting with customers every day. And evidently, almost none of the, speaking of Oklahoma, almost none of the so-called uh, organic, no-till, whatever, we, in, including from some of the names that we hear on YouTube, whenever, apparently their weed is just fucking terrible. And the the, the good weed is actually 
like literally at the scene, then this is always painful for my friend for, well, for me to hear it for my friend, but I trust him that it's the synthetic weed. That's basically the, the really terpy high end shit basically in Oklahoma and candidly in a lot of other places. I hear this all the fucking time. And every time I go to dispensaries every once in a while, when you, if you can find one of the so-called no-till brands or whatever, cause it's so hard to actually become a brand with like organic, whatever. But if you can it's find one of those brands, good. pardon. Yeah. It's, it's just hard to become one of the, I mean, in competition and scale and dealing with it, I mean, you can, you get, especially in cocoa, you can really compete um, and kind of provide, you know, the, the same path or whatever. Like, you can fake organics in cocoa and kind of get away with a higher turf percentage. But, like, I don't know. I, I'd say have them holler at me, like, honestly, because it's like most of the stuff that I've seen. Um, in stores, yeah, it is. It's definitely going to be the stuff that's grown. Like you know, there's a few names that, that tend to run better stuff. That I, I go and I'll sample, you know, different flavors just to see who's growing what and who's it's a decent cool. cultivator and kind of follow things. And I really feel like, I mean, in all honesty, out of all the testing I've done, and I've done a lot of analytical testing in my time, it's like anything I've done organically um, with, you know, basically. Multiple ferments, things like that, uh, a high amount of sulfur generally, um, they, they tend to test at a higher turf range. I mean, it's like things that you can run at a high EC and have bulked out. You'll get, you know, one, maybe 2% tops, but it's like if you just run it naturally and try and like, you know, dial in your nutrients um, beforehand and then feed some compost teas kind of build your soil basically for, you know, whatever cycles you're at. Um, I, I've had stuff hit, you know, four or 5% easily, but mm. the same cultivar that's ran, you know, in different mediums, essentially. Is it, so I guess, you know, we're not, we're not there. So we're just sort of taking this as part of the story, but like, if we're going to take it for granted, what my friend said about the kind of the Oklahoma rec, uh, uh dispensary scene, I guess, that a lot of the, the organic stuff is just, uh, it ends up getting, you know, fire sold out. Is that a matter of uh, curing or is that something else? Do they not have their SOPs down or what do you think it is? Because on this show, we mostly agree that organics are better. Go ahead, sir. I mean, no, I know. I think it, it all depends because it's like, it, it is environment has a lot to do with things because a lot of people are coming from other elements and stuff. And so, they basically, the first couple of runs, they're getting things adjusted towards this environment. And so it's completely, it, Oklahoma is a beast of its own, let me tell you something. Like, if you haven't grown outdoor or anything here, it's, it is the craziest shit in the world. Like, I mean, it is so different than anywhere else. And I've grown a lot of different places. Um, but, like, this is by far probably one of the more challenging places. Um yeah, I mean, it really how so? Is. Because uh, I've I don't know how many times I've had conversations oh, with friends. I'm like, oh, I've thought about moving to Oklahoma, and they're like, why would you move to Oklahoma? And I'm like, oh, go figure, because of the weed laws. And then just everyone starts laughing because none of that makes any sense for an outsider. They're like, what? Why does Oklahoma have the best weed laws and whatever else? Anyway, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, a lot a lot of it has to do with just the temperature fluctuations, the pest uh, pressure. There's massive amounts of pest pressure for outdoor growing. Um, it's just, it's different, especially to be organic, like, you know, certified organic and really do it with, um, 
adding beneficial insects, you have to spend a lot of money doing so. And then it's like trying to combat the, the pressure on the property or whatever. It, it's just kind of like having banker plants and then figuring things out. But it takes a long time, honestly. And so it's like, um, again, what I was saying was it's mostly people who come in from different environments thinking that you can run the same SOP that you ran in California or Washington or even, you know, a different state. And it just doesn't work here. Like you have to kind of switch things up. And so that's why a lot of time when people try stuff that is organic, it's generally not the best representation of product. Either that or it's been in the jars a long time here. Like that's most of the people that do organics. I don't know. I haven't seen the consistent supply, but it's like, there are a few people now who are kind of up and running um, that do a really, really good product. Um, Aaron, the growers, one person I can think of off the top of my head. Um, that's definitely uh, fish whistle farms. He does all organic, um, you know, no-till beds. So there's, there's a few people, they're smaller craft and generally harder to find, but it's few and far between. I don't know if this is the right time to ask it, but I guess since you brought it up, uh, what is the future of craft? Basically, we always talk about it, and I guess the the question is really craft versus what do I have it a craft versus commercial? I guess is 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 craft. Uh, it's always this really niche product, right? And it's always there's very few producers and whatever. And it's it, it at the best of times, it sometimes seems like it's just a fraction of the market. So, but we're always talking about it because we're all like you know nerdy weed people. Where do you think the future of the market is? Is it going to be in craft or commercial or both? I mean, it's got its crafts always going to have its place. It's that secret handshake. Like, it's just kind of knowing you got to know a plug or you got to know a guy or whatever to get that good, good. Wherever, like, you can go somewhere and get weed. That's fine. But it's like, if you want to get good fucking weed, you got to know a guy usually. So it's like it, the stuff that most people sell at dispensaries. I mean, yeah, there is some people who sell pretty good product there, but it's like most the fire product you're not going to find there. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, like this joint, for example, is, uh, I used to, well, I, technically, I still run a tasting group, but we haven't met for a couple of years because of the pandemic. But anyway, I used to run this tasting group, and this wouldn't have been the worst grower's weed. Like, we've had, you know, a variety of growers that come to the group, you know, professionals, super, you know, hobbyists, whatever, and beginners. And I'm just like, I can taste that there's, you know, gassiness, and it's weirdly a little bit more orange creamy than it is, let's say, apple. But this would, I mean, this would fail, you know, <laughs> it would not, I'm, I hate to be an asshole, but it's just like, not good enough. I don't know what, to, I don't know how to not be an asshole about it, but it's just fucking not good enough. It's, it annoys me that I spent what, not even that much, but I'm just like, this is $25. I could have just burned, you know, like that's something else. But anyway, whatever. But essentially you are, I guess I am basically burning it. You're right. 100%. What are you showing off to Is that fruit loops in a series of controlled fires? No, this is some uh, munchy mix, mix, like nothing both, but it's medicating. Oh, I didn't even get a chance. I guess I interrupted you with your hello. You got to see uh, a Green Goddess today, right? Yeah, it was dope. This isn't Green Goddess, but yeah, it was awesome to see her. Right on. So she'll actually be on my show next Thursday. Cool. Right on. Right on. Cheers to uh, Green Goddess. By the way, cheers to everybody in the chat. Uh, and folks, if you guys are listening in, we're doing uh, uh, essentially uh, guest rules. If you guys have heard that before, I don't know if I said that earlier. Uh, 
If you've been on the show before, if you're kind of a regular panelist, you're welcome to quietly hop on here, basically, and, you know, occasionally maybe uh, uh, ask a question. Please do mute yourself, though, so don't uh, uh, leave your sound running or whatever else. Uh, but like I said, if you have not been on the show before, this is not really the time to, to jump on. Uh, you can ask super nicely if you have a question, let's say, directly for one of our guests, and then maybe we'll let you on again, of course. Don't be a dick. I'm sure you dick that kind of thing. In the meantime, guest rules. Uh, what was I you talking about? Oh, go ahead, Smash. Oh, I'm just saying, like, I as soon as Oklahoma legalized, I wanted to go there, too. And I was like, are they going to sell me my tornado shelter with, like, the land I grow on? I know, right? No, it's hard to resist, you know? Like, for example, right now I have way too many seeds to run through, right? Like, I was complaining, you know, six months ago or a year ago or something, like, oh, I haven't even grown Lime River Rose and da da, da. Well, now I have, like, a bunch of strains that I'm not even going to have a chance to grow. And there's, like, more coming and more coming and more coming. And so it's like, just no matter what I do, you know, there's no amount of friends that I can beg, borrow and steal. Can you please grow one of my plants to yeah, grow through no. enough plants? Right. But when you go to Oklahoma or something, fuck, you can get a, the Amazon uh, greenhouse in your backyard, like Masonic and grow hundreds of plants. Right. And just grow through everything. So it's kind of hard. Yeah, to resist. I see him smiling. Captain Stewie is like, yep, yep, yep. He's like hard to, <laughs> hard to freaking beat it. Right. Dude, the like, shit I've seen here would blow your mind, man. Like, the so. amount of I've, just the amount of greenhouses I've seen down acres, like it's it's mind boggling. I'd <laughs> <laughs> so be happy if I could pot like fifty seeds, ten seeds of uh, five strains. You know what I mean? So I stick. I have a little plant count. So we're if you lived by yourself in Massachusetts. Um, and you were of the age, da, 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 da. you're only allowed six plants. Now, if there's two people in the house that are over the age that smoke weed, you're allowed to have 12 plants. Even our medical side, it's literally they, they, they took the law and they just put it to the medical too. So even if I was like to wholly register as the caregiver and everything, I'm allowed one patient, six plants. I'm like, it, it doesn't make any sense. I want to move to Maine. Maine seems like one of the really good spots i'll put it that way that's what i've heard as well it seems like there's a lot of people that kind of moved over there uh, i've known as well it's just cold so it's not greenhouse or indoor yeah usually most people go indoor it's like basement grows or you know setting up a you know a metal building how much is uh let's say a tier two license in oklahoma um, well, so essentially you, there, right now that you can't buy a license, like you have to buy them personally, you can go through like brokers or there's forums online where you can find people that are selling theirs because everyone was hoping for recreational and when it didn't pass here, they kind of like, you know, we're like, oh, cause hoping they're going to get a bunch of licenses and it's kind of fallen off to where you can, you know, get a license for Five to seven five hundred. Some people ask a little bit more, depending on what license. I'm talking like whatever dispensary processor, uh, you know. Um, but it was twenty five hundred at one point. Like yeah, when I moved there, it was twenty five hundred for every license. And then originally they had no plant count, like no cap on plant. Yeah, they just didn't and care. At first, I heard. That, well, that was for the first two years, and then all of a sudden they passed the law. That whatever there's basically a tax on whatever your square footage is, and so um, 
yeah, it kind of put a damper on things immediately. It was kind of to try and restrict black market activities here. Um, so it was, yeah, it sucked. I mean, it was kind of one of the biggest hits to why we moved here and stuff. But that being said, it just kind of put to where I, you know, got to work with what I had back in Washington and work vertically and, you know, try and figure out things a different method. Uh, I guess you don't have to type that right now. I was going to say, um, well, we're, we're all <laughs> way out of my freaking, uh, uh, order or whatever. I guess I just have to adapt here. Uh, uh, what's your, uh, uh, hot take or what do you, what, what, you, what would you say is your, uh, hot take that you're not going to apologize for? Like you think that organic is better and, uh, 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 whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I have a, I mean, I, I can basically, taste what's your cold take then? I would say I can taste the difference in any style of cultivation. Like, I mean, if you give me something that's grown in Rockwell, I can probably tell you that's that. a hot take. That's a hot take right there that you can basically taste and the difference between any cultivation. Not, tell us more in any way. It's just, um, generally how it's grown. I mean, it's like, if it's, and the style of the nug, the way that the nug is, I mean, just from having cultivated for so many, it's not, it, again, it's not a throwback to any style of cultivation. I've cultivated every style for, uh, you know, 20 plus years. And so it's like when you've grown every way and smoked all your flavors over and over again, you kind of get a taste for all the different styles of cultivation. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel like organics just have more of a well-rounded flavor. Like there's just more of a robust flavor to them. Um, again, like I said, cocoa, you can kind of mimic it, but there's more density to the nugs generally. Um, you can pack on a little bit more weight, run a higher EC. Uh, generally on full synthetic, it, there's a lot of stuff now, especially that you can kind of throw me off. And I might think it's cocoa. Um, especially with like stacking your blocks on something that, you know, is kind of a cocoa mix or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I honestly can taste the difference in, you know, how it's, I can really probably look at the jars and most of the dispensaries and say like, that's done that. And I've, I've literally gone with a few friends or whatever and they're like bullshit or whatever. And it's like, They'll call like the cultivator. We hear that, that all the time. Yeah. People say, Oh, bullshit is yeah, better, blah, blah, blah. But it, it seems like, oh, good. Cocoa. Yeah, and he was like, dude, shut the fuck. Or, you know, we go to another one uh, that's his friend's facility. I was like, oh, they probably grown Rockwell or whatever. And sure as shit, right when we go and he asked me, he goes, hey, what are you, what are you growing? And he goes, Rockwell. You know, he's that cute. You know, it's like, it's told you. And it was good. It was actually some of the better stuff I had when I first moved here. So, again, no. I've no had good weed. Yeah, I've had good weed from everybody. It's not as if, like, uh, uh, I don't know why people always feel so absolutist or black and white when you say something. So, that just because I say organic is better doesn't mean everything else is garbage, right? Like, I've had very good synthetically grown weed. I've had very good, like, proper hydroponics with the NFT tables and all that stuff. Or, I guess, NF tables, whatever it's called. You know, the weird, like, space station stuff. Like, I've had that. That was actually good before, you know, like, what do they say? It's a poor craftsman uh, that blames his tools. And so honestly, like a master could figure out how to grow any, in any way, like in a mud puddle, you know, with, with, uh, I don't even know, uh, blue synthetic salts from freaking, uh, I don't even know the 1800s, you know what I mean? Like a master could figure out how to grow at anything, you know, in a good way, if they had enough time, where was I trying to babble about it with, uh, oh fuck, I forget the question you were talking about the difference between 
dang it. And you even reminded me there. I should have written it down. Anyway, it was a fun little thought. You were talking about that. Oh, it'll come to me, hopefully. Uh, where are you with uh, You're known, I think, for uh, as Farmex, a uh, friend of the show, Farmex. Uh, uh, maybe one of these days we'll have you back, hopefully, and, and you'll meet Farmex. Uh, he likes to joke that he likes, he wants to start a, a dabbing show called Dabbing with Miners because he's all about. Uh, uh, Basically, you'd have to know Pharmex. Uh, he extracts uh, minor cannabinoids. And I guess that was a weird setup, but I was joking that uh, you're known for uh, CBG, CBN, I mean, all kinds of different CBD, uh, a bunch of different uh, so-called minor cannabinoids. Of course, they're becoming not minor anymore, really, right? People realize they're super important, but whatever, we call them minor cannabinoids. You specialize in that, I think, for the most part with your reading. Is that true? Yes, sir. That's exactly what I've kind of one-to-ones were like a passion for a very long time and that's kind of like what paved me on to understanding like you know how the different pathways work and then like selecting parents and then moving them generation i mean i just i I started to get an understanding for different styles of breeding and um yeah it just it led me on a path to trying to bring out you know minors to be majors and um just Kind of, kind of turned me into a mad scientist just from, you know, wanting to grow a crazy amount of plants and, like, get a better How do you even breed for, for minors? Like, when you say that, I mean, do you breed with field? Do you breed with testing? How do you do it? No, I know Kevin Jody does, like, predicative testing no and stuff. There's, I mean, you can't, you, you can't get a sense other than knowing what the plant tests it. And so it's like, you have to grow everything out, whatever looks great. You have to go and put through testing. If that doesn't, you have to go through the next round of seed stock and continue until you find what you're looking for. So, I mean, some of the projects I've been working on take, you know, five, six years of doing the same thing repeatedly until, it seems like you know, it's like the week I finally found the one I've been looking for. And it's like coming here was, it's to allow me to be able to do so, you know, on a larger scale because Washington I was really confined, um, especially on it's like a tier based count there. And so having a small uh, license there, you're just not able to do a lot of <laughs> popping seeds. And so it's. Um, well, right, because yeah. you probably have to do what? I don't know, several hundred plants at a time, maybe to find the, the outlier of one specific cannabinoid or how does it work really? A thousand plus seeds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, that's what most of my pots are. I mean, I've done some that are like, you know, ten, twenty thousand plus or whatever. Um, I mean, we've had to do fields and stuff too, and that's not included. But I mean, just to find different outliers, like over time. I mean, it's taken you know a, a half pound or a pound of seed on some things, especially on miners, like. You have to go through fields or acres and, and kind of find the best of them and then pull them down and test them and whatever it is, you pull them doors and, you know, try and run it in hopes that it doesn't come out there. And if it does, then you have to move it back out. And it, it's just, it's kind of, it, it's a difficult thing, honestly, but it's, I mean, it's a temperamental thing that you have to take with care. And so a lot of it, um, yeah, it just takes time. I mean, it takes time and a lot of your own resources and money just into um, analytical testing. Uh, for CBD stuff, it was kind of a cheat because there's basically a way that you can test for uh, CBD in a plant just by doing a leaf test. And so I was able to do that for a few years, you know, three or four years back when CBD was like a dominant cannabinoid in the market. And then when everyone moved to CBD and other things, um, 
genomics and other things of that nature using um, PCRs and uh, qPCRs and um, the, that's kind of the next phase of breeding and um, moving things without having to do such high plant counts and whole nother subject but um, basically that's kind of where things are headed and where I've I kind of moved breeding there for a minute um, but it's it's expensive um, and then now with having to test for viroids and other things of that nature, I mean, it's like the amount of money to maintain mothers and tons of plants. It's, it's expensive. It's, I mean, it's not a cheap hobby. That's for damn sure. I no, thought, you know, tuning cars and stuff like that was the expensive hobby. But man, this is not cheap. What is it about the, the, I, I actually forgot. I, I have a gram of speaking of Pharmax, I think, or no, maybe it's from somebody else. No, it is from Pharmax, I think. I have a gram of CBGA crumble. What is it about these minor cannabinoids that appeals to you? So what is it specifically, let's say, about, you mentioned CBG or anything else that you're working on. What what do you, is it a, a feeling that it gives you or a feeling that it gives your patients or what is it exactly? So originally it started out for myself, like one-to-ones were predominantly, because I couldn't find medicine. I, I have, like, I'm celiac, I have severe chronic pain from snowboarding really you know like going off big jumps stuff like that back when i was younger um and so it started out with doing it for myself and then um figuring out something that worked for somebody else kind of led me on the path of you know saying like okay well this this works well for others so i started trying out other things for other people, and that led me down to where I'm at now, which is Barron's, uh, THCV, CBDV, um, and those have been something that I, I can't even smoke or, you know, it really do, but it it helps tremendously for patients um, that have, like, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, um, you know, shakes, tremors, convulsions. Uh, blood pressure regulation, all kinds of crazy stuff. And so um, just from kind of giving samples of stuff out to patients that reached out to me for like their mom or other people and saying like, this worked better than anything I've given them in the past, you know, five years. And I actually got to have a conversation for the first time. Like that was dedication. That's where I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just start, you know, trying everything I can to work with this specific cannabinoid and that's kind of what i've done through each of them and so that's where i'm at now is on bearings oh sorry i guess it'd be faster if i just said this out loud uh replacement uh obviously you don't have to send me your addy if you don't want to but you won i don't know if you know this but you won a duck race like two or three weeks ago honestly for oblivion uh you won the first pack of oblivion and i don't think i have your address so please uh, send me your address fumidor at chronictable.com fumidor at chronictable.com uh if i don't get an addy i'll just probably send that pack to somebody else i guess or something but anyway in the meantime like i said replacement uh, make sure to send that uh kevin 420 if you could keep that muted when you're not talking that would be great please uh, uh let me just mute that uh where were we at uh I was joking with a friend the other day about uh, 
uh, well, the question was like, oh, what do the, what do the miners do? And I was like, oh, you know, honestly, like off the top of my head, I'm not a super expert on them. So I was like, well, okay, off the top of my head, THCV is one that I know is in my cannabis. Da, da, da. That's something that actually suppresses appetite. A lot of people are surprised by that. Uh, and then I joked, I was like, oh, and CBN is supposed to be the female Viagra. And she was like, tell me more. <laughs> so how do I say it? Like, uh, what are the, I guess, without necessarily telling you more on, on secret stuff, what, what's been the most interesting cannabinoid that you've discovered or the most interesting, let's say, effect. You know, like, for example, women would be super interested in, like, a, a female Viagra or whatever, right? But everyone is fascinated by different stuff. What was the most, what was the most surprising, maybe? I don't know. Like, a, one that gave a different effect, let's say, for an epileptic or something. I don't know. I, man, THCB was probably the hardest for me because it's like I had it made into concentrate and it was, like, 90-something percent. So I, I don't dab very often anymore and so i took a dab of it and it was like my blood pressure felt like it was like i i turned like bright red and then i felt pale and really? then i felt i just it was intense man it was something i was like no i will never do that again wow like an unpleasant experience it, yeah i gave the rest of it away to somebody i was like here this will help your mom or whatever <laughs> she has alzheimer's i think so here just wow. try and put this in well let's not do that again uh <coughs> excuse me i asked romulan a few weeks ago do you have a plan and i guess you must because you you it takes so long to find these cannabinoids like do you have a plan for your breeding i mean i always have so like and it's so multifaceted it's not necessarily dependent on any specific cannabinoid it's just like such a, a versatile amount of seeds that i kind of accumulated through the, the years of breeding and i just am continuously popping my stock in search of things and then running them through testing and then whatever i find um, i just kind of bring the light and stuff mm -hmm. and so um like right now i have a cultivar that i think it hit like I, yeah all thir 11 or 13 cannabinoids in a single and they're all they're all above one percent. I'm pretty sure. And so oh. it was like you know, the it just rare things where the the guy kind of called me. He was like, "This is pretty crazy." Like especially you know it was higher CBG, higher CBD, higher THCV, but like all the levels were extremely high. Where he you know he was pretty impressed by it. And so um, that's been one of the ones that you know Varen's G. Um, there's also another few mud honey. Um, which was kind of freak accident that I thought was going to be a one-to-one -one and it ended up having a really weird uh, profile with like high Delta eight and other, you know, weird cannabinoids that you wouldn't normally see. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of, I don't necessarily have like, I'm just going to keep working this until it's, you know, 26%. Mine's just more, I'm kind of going to go with what I find. And then if I find things, I'm going to line breed it or self it to where I can stabilize it and offer it. Um, and then if I find other interesting cannabinoids in those, I'll kind of, you know, keep down a different or same pathway. But I mean, I just kind of, I'm, I like to do things on the fly with some plants. Like I like to do a lot of hashers, um, especially, you know, flavor stuff with THC. Um, I still like collecting hype pets and going through and trying to, you know, the latest and greatest flavors of everything. But like, ultimately, I just I like to find things that are completely unique in terms of profile.
Have you found anything genuinely good in the hypey stuff that you, because uh, uh, you probably have access to every clone you can get, right? So have you, have you found anything really good? Um, I mean, I really like apples and bananas. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I've had that were impressive. I mean, really, like, you know, GMO root beer, I wasn't thoroughly impressed with. Uh, my favorite's been, you know, and it's always kind of the smaller name stuff, but like Bicket OG um, from Nick uh, Lime Rising Farms, that's been like literally one of my favorites. And that's uh, GMO and Cherry Pie. Um, that's kind of like one of the staples around here that's kind of, it's been building kind of a name for itself. And then, and it's not necessarily kind of like, per se, the hype stuff from California, that style of hype. But I don't know, like bubble bath, things like that. I mean, I've tried quite a few of them, but it's like, I don't know, most just the individual hype kits that are cookie-based kind of just have the same flavor with a little variation, mm. you know. How do you select? I mean, how do you select, let's say, for flavor or anything else? You've mentioned flavor a couple of times. It's surprisingly rare for breeders to tie, and I pay attention to this because I love flavors. Uh, it's surprisingly rare for breeders to even bring up flavor. How do you select, let's say, for flavor? I'm scrutinous about it, man. So I, I have a pretty crazy testing process. And once things are done, like, so like I will go through do like a flavor taste on everything once it's been thrown out and then essentially i'll do a whole nother one once it's been grown out from clone just to ensure it's kind of spot on before i kind of move down the pathway of things and so it's like sometimes you see a variation um, especially when you move an environment with epigenetics but it's like you, you just you you kind of can see things change sometimes by the second time you clone it and so um I really like to see consistency in flavor where it doesn't vary. And it's like to where it just like everything where it passes. I mean, it's got to have like a punch where it like hits your tongue and it's like, I mean, a complex profile. It's not just like, Oh, it smells like gas. It's like some of the stuff I've had people say, it smells like orange Tic Tacs and, you know, pine and curry and, and something else. And like, it's always like just the weirdest mix of stuff that you would never think to put together. And that's kind of like what I look for. Like when I found, um, which is UW and macaroni, another creation I made, uh, it smells like urethane wheels and like disco, <laughs> like roller skates, like, like foot funk. And then it kind of like, uh, it's really, and then it kind of translates to a real heavy pine smell. Like it's really fucking weird. It's multifaceted. I like the the multi layers. Basically, there's so many different ways. Yeah, there like yeah. one or two so flavors as opposed to let's say like five or six. Yeah, yeah. I look for really you know multi dominant profiles, and I think essentially it's just looking for more things with flavonoids and other um, profiles that we're not necessarily detecting when we're searching for just like that gaseous thing or a certain thing that we're fixated on and it's just like looking for what's best and then selecting from that um, you kind of just bring out the best of the plan i think too it's like where you can really select and find these weird profiles i like that you said that i mean i guess i have maybe a slightly different take on that uh, uh 
people that watch this show know that I'm not like a super freak for gas. It's super unusual. Most people are freaks for gas, right? But uh, what am I trying to say? That uh, if it were, if gas was the the, the most dominant and most powerful and most amazing uh, uh, terpene profile, period, we would have already found the most gassy thing. You know, like there's, I don't know, hundreds of breeders that breed for gas. There's hundreds of, they've been breeding hundreds of different smashed again hundreds of uh, different strains on and on they would have already found it i guess where that's a too complex of a take is what i'm trying to describe i'm trying to describe that i like that you said that there are what am i fucking trying to say in a simple way that gas with some other interesting things ah fuck i'm butchering what you said i'm absolutely butchering it and i can't repeat it so this wasn't a very good joint that i rolled but it did get me high so at least that's 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 uh Something because I can't <laughs> fucking verbalize what I'm trying to say. God damn it. It was so simple. It was so there. All right, whatever. Backing up. How do you select for plants? Let's say, for example, uh, uh, I'm trying to visualize how you would breed. I remember hearing a, um, an autoflower breeder. And I think it was the first time that I'd ever heard somebody talk about autoflower breeding. They were literally, I think it was just a smoke break outside. And the guy was talking about this frantic dash for selecting and breeding and selecting and breeding. Cause you know, of course with autoflowers, you can't take a clone of the male or anything else. So you have to breed on the go. So as you're finding the keeper, you're already breeding with the future and you have to have this soothsaying kind of power or whatever. I almost want to say that maybe you do something a little bit similar or do you, I don't know. How do you move yeah, forward in those lines? Your way I'd start to, um, sometimes I kind of miss things though, by being so frantic. And so I, I take clones pretty frequently like i'll take them you know early on and kind of do that same thing and get things to flower out and test it just so i can cycle through things but i also like to grab an extra set right before i throw them or right when i throw them into flower when i kind of clean things up i'll throw everything into a cloner as well and so i like to make sure i back things up that's kind of the biggest thing as well but it, yeah it's kind of like a frantic cycle for me i just I like to go through and then once things are, you know, they pass the test and I'm like, okay, these are good. This one sucked. I will ruthlessly go back into the garden and just destroy everything like that does not pass the grade. Like, I mean, it's not even a question. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to hand this out. It's no, these plants are dead. So. <laughs> I kind of remembered what I was talking about. I was going to say something about with, with gas, but I can't quite place it. I was going to say basically that, uh, I have often said that if the effect was just THC, the strongest THC weed would be the, the, the best weed. And certainly in the market, a lot of times people shop for the highest THC. But if you know weed, you know that that's not the case. Um, for me, I say, and this is a simplification, I, this is a definitely a simplification, but I say that the flavor is the effect. And so, for example, you know, my whole thing is that the the flavors basically are my entry point, basically, to the, all the interesting effects of cannabis. And so the THC is the gas pedal, but the terpenes and flavonoids and esters and all the different components of the weed that, that change the flavor and the aroma and even the appearance of weed, uh, they're the GPS, maybe, or something that takes you to a different destination. So you might get, for example, with weed, I mean, let's say Durban Poison and uh, Hindu Kush. They both have high THC right? Uh, uh, so from that perspective, they should both get you high, but one seems to get you high and the other one seems to get you stoned, right? Like the one is the narrow leaf, uh, a drug cultivar was the wide leaf, right? They have this very different effect, right? So clearly 
something that's in the wheat is doing something differently, right? And so sure enough, they have different flavors and turns out they have different cannabinoid profiles. When you actually test that, that's not, not just some magical, the flavor is not magic. It's actually from terpenes and stuff. So I guess my question with that is, would you agree that the flavors are kind of the effect of the wheat, that they're the, the GPS coordinates or something, whatever? I would say it's, it's a huge catalyst to it for sure. Um, and I, I mean, I've had some stuff that isn't necessarily terpy, but still potent and long lasting too. So I think it depends on, you know, it's just a synergy of everything kind of reacting together. It's like I said, a gateway to it, but I feel like, you know, with the right cannabinoids, especially reacting to your specific, you know, endocannabinoid system, it just, it, it's in dependent on the person as well. And so, I mean, we could, we can go down the rabbit hole of that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good rabbit hole, honestly, too, because how do you, I was going to say, I think I was going to ask you that too, honestly, it's, well, let's go down that rabbit hole. How do you, how do you find customers? I guess is the simplest possible question because every single person has a completely different experience with weed. I make fun of Mac one on the show all the time, because for me, like I, the effect when I have with Mac one is that as I'm smoking a joint of it, I forget that I'm smoking a joint and roll another one. Uh, but other people I've, I've smoked a joints of Mac one with other people and they have the best time of their lives. They just get so blissfully, happily high. I've seen people just get like super relaxed from it. So everybody has completely different effects from weed. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you just spent five years developing a CBGA, CBG, CBG line. See, that's how little I know about this stuff, but you, you, you spent five years developing a CBG line. Now your customers are going to get 10,000 different effects from it. Or are they, I don't know. How do you, how do you even figure that out? How do you find people to not necessarily customers, but how do you find people to smoke your grass? I guess. I mean, that's usually just like a lot of the time it's through feedback through people I know specifically who have ailments. And so, um, I have a pretty broad network of people that have, you know, specific ailments that they're hitting me up and asking for things. And so they're really good. They, you know, they've tried specific cannabinoids from other, you know, companies or things of that nature. And so they can give me realistic feedback. The other thing is I'm, I'm constantly hit up by patients and uh, I'm in support of that. Like I, I, one of the things that I feel like has kept me afloat karmatically is um, helping people with, you know, not asking for a dime or um, especially with cancer patients are so I, you know, gave away, I don't know how many supplies to uh, people who are suffering from cancer or other disorders as well. And so it's kind of just one of the things that I've always held closely to my heart. I've just lost so many friends and people in my life. So it's like um, something why I've kept doing why I do um, is just to, um, when I have extra stuff just sitting around, it's like, why try and pawn it off and sell it as something, you know, other than what it is and just try and give the medicine away to people who need it. That's kind of something that one of the nice you just reminded me of somebody. So I got this this weed tonight from Floyd's Fine <sighs> Cannabis and I had a friend that that worked there. That was the reason why I started uh, shopping there. It was uh, one of the nicest guys that I've met in all of cannabis. And unfortunately he passed away. And he passed away from uh, uh, cancer before the pandemic, even like three, four years ago. Uh, his weed name, was, he had a great name too. It was uh, the Gondrapreneur. 
I think it was. There's a couple other people who have similar names to that, but I think it was the Gondrepreneur. Anyway, super, super nice guy. And he, he used, you know, cannabis to medicate for the pain and stuff when he was going through can, uh, 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 chemotherapy and everything else. Anyway, we forget that uh, a lot of people forget, I think, that they're not immortal, right? And we've, we've talked about it on the show. Like, there's been fans of the show, people on the show who have moved on from this plane. You know, it's... I don't know. It's 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 interesting that some of us basically are here to enjoy cannabis just for giggles. Some of us are here to take away the pain. Some of us a little bit of both. I don't know. All those perspectives are are available. I don't know, yeah. Just an interesting thought. That's not necessarily even a question. I don't know. I don't know. What the, uh, <laughs> but what? How do you respond to that? Right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, what are some uh, or who are some breeders that you? Um, I've asked this question wrong to some different people. So instead of saying like I did a few weeks ago to who do you look up to, who are some breeders you admire? Oh man, there's a lot of people that have kind of, you know, it's hard to say because it's, (laughs) it's something that I've, um, there's people I looked up to for a very long time and then you meet them and then all of a sudden (laughs) you look up to them anymore. And so it's, so that expression never meet your heroes it's kind of accurate isn't it a lot of the times every once in a while you'll meet a hero that's just super chill and then you'll meet another one that you're like oh no no not that he's a dick right (laughs) a lot of guys coming up you know a lot of there's a lot of um cool people that i've met recently Um, but again it's just it's just something i you know i don't know it's like most of people kind of do the same thing there's a lot of people who really try and stand out and that's kind of just what i appreciate is the people that do that how so how do they stand out with the quality of their work or the, the yeah it's just like trying what to do something it? different not necessarily like you know just grabbing you know something and you know smashing you know but it's like really trying to uh, dedicate yourself to a specific plant or a specific like line or something that's like your namesake versus just like trying to throw out you know 20 different crosses to this every three to four months just to you know capitalize off of the seed game or whatever and flood it with seeds it's just um and there's just a lot of people i feel like that are, are kind of doing that kind of stuff where it's just you know it's kind of a money grab at this point so how do and you, then there's go ahead and then there's people like yourself, because I've been actually waiting for this show for ever since it's That's true. been announced. You, you've requested, uh, you've, uh, you might have requested him more than anybody else, actually. Seattle Chronic, you, you are one of the most requested guests on the show. I think I forgot to mention that. So thank, you, thank you very much for coming on, because people have wanted to talk to you for, for quite a bit. Captain 420, since you actually requested, do you have any questions for, for Seattle Chronic? Well, yeah, I've been actually trying to jump in here and every once in a while say, yeah, because I respect the work that you do with everything else. Okay. Yeah. You've taken the THC and you kind of set that aside and you've worked with everything else that is actually helping us medically. You know, it may not get us any higher. But it may help relieve someone's ailment. And you're taking these things that we're finding in cannabis and you're putting them all into 
plants and you're connecting them together. So when you get a plant, you just don't get THC and CBD. You're getting THCV, you're getting THC, whatever. You're adding those to it. And from my aspect, because I do come from the medical side, even though I love getting stoned, believe me, I love getting stoned. We all do. <laughs> I, I come from the medical side. So I have medical aim ailments that I have to try to, you know, find cannabis that works for me. And the work that you're doing and the work that you've done over the past five, six years has saved someone like me many headaches because you've already done it, brother. And I can trade you, I can trade you some of my THCV weed here from Thailand. And we can do a trade and I can get those other things that I'm looking for. So I can possibly put those into my broader lease that may not have 29% THC, but that's not what we're yeah, looking for. Filter, filter that out, Phoebe. Did the thing you filtered out do that? Yeah. So you know, you're you're doing a lot of work that is saving people like me who say, wow, I can take this strain and I can plug it in with these three and maybe I'll come up with one that will actually help me. You've laid a lot of the groundwork and taking a lot of these micros and putting them together. And I'd like to thank you for that. Well, if you need anything, please reach out to me and I, I'll see what I can do to help. You know, oh, I've already reached out to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> always feel free to do it again and again. And I'm always here for you. So, What's your medicine, Seattle? Good question. What's my medicine? Yeah, what you're like. If you found the perfect weed. Oh, man, it's crazy. So it's like, it's kind of that, that's a unicorn because it's like, it works for, you know, a few days or a, a month or something, a year even. I've had things that lasted a year or two for me and then it just stops working. Like regardless of how potent or whatever, it's just like my system's acclimated to that and I need to find something else or I have a new ailment that's building. So it's not, it's, it's really hard to say because in all honesty, that's how I feel about it. It's like, it's always ever changing with myself. There's certain things I like for a short period, but it's like, I'm constantly searching for different things for that reason. By the way, if you try, saw me trying to take a dab of the freaking bubble hash, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's too, like, crumbly. It won't stick together. So I can't, like, I do cold start dabs. I can't stick it to the bangers. It's basically pointless. So I'll, I guess I'll roll a joint. There we go. I'll roll. That's the first, that's what she said. So in this entire show, we've been too serious today. Wait, wait, uh, wait, I'm going to roll another joint. I'm just going to sprinkle some dabs in her. What's that, Smash? I, I don't get here. What's your issue? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think uh, of a way. Normally, I would... Uh, uh, 
I'm surprised I can't do this. I try to do it with my finger just now, kind of melting it a little bit with your body heat. Normally, like uh, when you look at this, it looks like a powder, and then actually, you know, you oh, crumble it up or whatever. Okay. But normally, yeah. bubble hash it is sifted, you know, like so it looks like a powder, but it's actually stuck together because it's kind of greasy. So you just go in there and you just kind of take a little glob away, basically, right? Or even if it is sort of still uh, really discreet because it's been frozen or whatever, you just kind of take a little glob, you know, melt a little bit so you can, for, in my case, stick it to the side of the banger and heat up the torch, right? But I, I can't do any of that, basically. So like I would have to sprinkle it into the banger or something. I don't know. I, I basically. Yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah, like so. The, I mean, other people maybe dab differently, but the way I dab, I can't actually take a dab. So, kind of pointless. I guess I'm just gonna uh, roll a joint. Weird. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this is a new one. I guess now I know why it was a twenty dollar bubble hash gram because I was like twenty fucking dollars. The shit. That's why. Pretty you much. could so, yeah. you can dab this. The nice. bubble hash I've been smoking. Nice. Oh, I have some. Uh, I have some old school hash here. I forgot I had it. I have a little. Uh, well, as you can see, it's quite a bit smaller. <laughs> But I have a little plot. Should have taken it out of this plastic bag a long time ago. But anyway, some nice hash. Anyway, we don't have to talk about the hash that I have. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about selections and terpenes. And uh, well, what are, speaking of, I don't know, meeting your heroes or not meeting your heroes, who are some of your cannabis or grow legends, I guess? Who are people who uh, influence the way that you grow in a really significant way? Oh, they're so one of them um, actually just passed away not too long ago. Uh, the rest of them are people that they just they're not people on social media. Um, all the people that I really learn from are, you know, kind of people who avoid that stuff. And so uh, <laughs> not sure I could really say their names or anything like that. But it's um, yeah, the, I mean, Jim was probably the most prevalent. He was big in the community for alaska um alaskan uh cannabis catch mm. um and so that's he he just passed away not too long ago and so again somebody i can definitely shout out and mention to but um definitely a dude i looked up to was randy lanier as well um that dude was an og when it came to uh yeah just doing things outside the box like I mean, if you haven't seen his story, he's somebody I'd recommend looking up to. <laughs> I definitely haven't. Uh, so would you say that you come from more, I guess, yeah, like the, the traditional market, I guess we call it these days. And you sort yeah. of had yeah. a lot of friends that, that sort of kept under the radar and stuff like that, right? Like you, are those the 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 people that today have no kind of following? Are those the people that basically influenced your grow the most? Because uh, I think... Uh, these days, it's kind of rare to hear that. I guess that's one of the first times that I've heard that, certainly from a breeder in quite the same way. I guess Romulan has a little bit the same story now that we talk about it, because he kind of grew up uh, with that traditional market. But most of the folks, yeah, they started at a different time, and then they'll end up basically talking about Subcool or someone. But speaking of Subcool, his heroes would have been some of the people who couldn't say their names out loud and stuff, right? Because they would have gone to jail or were in jail or whatever the case. That's exactly it. Or in there, but, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you didn't really talk about that kind of stuff back in the day. I guess it's just, that's where I have the biggest problem is like for the longest time, I wouldn't even show my face and stuff on podcasts because I felt like, you know, so coming from that, that time and culture where it was like, 
you didn't show your face, you didn't talk, you didn't, there was like these rules and now it's like where it's legalized and completely different. It's crazy. How is that transition for you? Actually, I was going to ask you about whatever, something about social media success or something. It seems to be that's one of the biggest keys to success these days. It doesn't seem like it is. How do you balance that? Because clearly you have a, a very big following and so on on social media. How do you... I don't know. How do you reconcile that tendency not to with the, the ability to social media? What's that? Sorry. Uh, I just said I don't sleep a lot. I'm an <laughs> early riser. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I've had a pretty strong work ethic my whole life. Like that's a lot of it. And I just, I have a good, you know, a good wife, good support. Uh, I mean, really it's just, it really is just myself and you know my wife kind of doing everything and so it's like i have um a really good friend who um i run stuff back and forth off of and then a good group of people who test for me um, but other than that yeah i mean it's just pretty cut and dry to where i mean every day i'm up early and i go to bed late hmm. speaking of testing actually that's a, a good one because uh I've been wanting to ask, and I always forget, actually, we get into, you know, we get high and we forget to ask this, honestly, at the end of the discussion, is, you know, a lot of us on the show know TGA, right? TGA style testing, you know, subco and everything, but it doesn't necessarily have to be TGA style testing. Do you think that having kind of a, a tester group of growers and friends and whatever that you rely on for information or, or, or pictures or whatever, their, their uh, shared experience of the cannabis, do you think that's an important part of the process? Um, I didn't used to, but yeah, I definitely do. I really think it's, um, I mean, just to get feedback from people who really know and like, you know, get an opinion. If it's really good, then you hand it out to, you know, 10 people who know what really good is. And if they all say it's really good, then it's really good. Like, it's not a question. It's kind of, you have a core group of people that you really trust their opinion and stuff like that. And then other people who are just good at cultivating this world. Um, you know, for fancy pictures and things like that for social media. Well, and so those are two different things, definitely. Do you think that the the core group of friends who are, let's say, kind of weed insiders already, probably, they don't you know, struggle with grows or anything like that, right? They're not new growers. Do you think that's important? Or do you think, let's say, for example, you know, Subcool famously had every goddamn style. He had people who, you know, had been growing with him for years, you know, the guy with cannabis and whatever. Uh, and then he also had some noobs that would, would try his strains is that important too, or is that too defocused for like, you? Yeah, yeah, because it reaches out to everybody. Like mm -hmm. then, you know, I feel like if all you're showing is super fire stuff, it's not showing. That's like a facility who's got things dialed in. It's like you kind of have to relate to every single grower out there. And that's why I feel like it's, you really do have to have every type of style. I have people who are first, second, third year. Um, but some of the second, third year people crush it better than the eighth or ninth year people and stuff like that. And so it's, I mean, it's just really funny to see how, you know, people learn and how quickly, especially with the amount of information we have nowadays. Hmm. Where do you actually, where do you get your information? Like, where do you do your research or where do you learn about stuff or where do you figure out what you want to work on? I mean, I'm constantly reading, ordering things, looking for, you know, books to read. Um, grew up reading a lot of books, um, but constantly scanning scientific documents. 
uh, research papers on cannabinoids, um, basically just kind of subscribing to those, you know, newsletters and reading them as soon as they come out and trying to pass them along. And yeah, just, I spent hours scouring stuff on, you know, every subject there is pretty much to do with cannabis. And so when it comes to those, it's just finding things that, you know, there's kind of factual evidence. And then, um, I guess just kind of having my own evidence, um, compared to that, like my own, you know, having some comparative results or things to go off of as well. Um, and just to have some hope from other people who are doing like-minded things as well. I was going to ask with like double blind. Well, I guess I was going to ask that. I was going to ask, oh, that's too complex of a fucking question. Uh, I was going to ask about with experimentation and stuff, but no, this is too complex of a question. Uh, backing up. Uh, what would you, if you were stuck on a, a desert island, let's say you know ahead of time, because somehow it's a weird question. Like, oh, how did I know ahead of time that I had weed with me? Anyway, if we were going to stick you on a f- desert island, what one cannabis uh, uh, strain or varietal or whatever would you bring with you? Man, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I don't want to go to Desert Island. What the fuck is this? No, just one. I don't care about the Desert Island. Just put me with more than one cultivar. Uh, uh, I'm trying well, to think. At that point, you would want some seeds, right? So you can have different yeah. Don't people. make, don't cheat. Fuck. Let him answer the goddamn question. Um, Mr. I Toad think, answered it. Legendarily. I'm going to tie, honestly, like, I have one pheno of strawberry G that I smoke a crazy amount of. Um, it's like a straw guava leaner. And then, um, I, man, it, that's it's hard to say because it's like I smoke that in the daytime and I need something at night. So it's like that would keep me up all night. I don't know. I'd say probably Melvin's then. I that's the challenge. That. That's the challenge. You got one. Okay, so what's Melvin's? Um, so it's something I made a long time ago, but it's, uh, so it's the Wonderland cut of, uh, Skittles crossed with, uh, onesie F2. And so onesies, the one, which is, uh, Coots, 71 Kandar, 76 Thai, uh, crossed with ZQ, which is, uh, the Z back cross four times. That sounds delightful, actually. It's, um, it's nasty. Yeah. Huh. It's good. Plus, it's frosty. It's easy to grow. It's just something that, I mean, it, it's just different. It kind of, sometimes it makes me super high to where I can't function. So I think if I'm on an island, that's perfect. Do you, uh, like 15 different questions all at once, and I'm like, oh, I got to pick one. Do you uh, like the, do you like chasing land races? I guess is the simple version of the question I was going to ask. Do you think that there's a value? And I guess the reason why I'm asking that is that uh, they're famous in many cases, for example, CO and so on are famous for having no ceiling really. And a lot of those, the old ties and stuff, uh, you can keep smoking it and just keep getting higher and higher and higher. Do you kind of chase that kind of thing that is sort of, we like to say outside of the bottleneck or is there any value to that for you? Absolutely. But I feel like it's, it's hard to nail down as well. I mean, you kind of have to know, uh, you know, where and when it's like, I've grown out a lot of land races inside. And so, um, like a lot of the tie things, a lot of the stuff that goes, you know, 16 to 20 plus weeks, like you got to have ceiling height for, 
um, or at least prep for it. And I mean, it's just all about environment, but yeah, I feel like it definitely has its place and it needs to be preserved for sure. What's the next, uh, maybe this ties in, maybe it doesn't. It. What's, uh, uh, what's the next OG or what's the next Girl Scout cookies? What's the next thing that will leave a really indelible mark, do you think? Oh, man, that is, it's hard to say. Everyone's kind of chasing that. And so I feel like it's just, um, it's whatever's different, I feel like. In all honesty, I feel like everyone's kind of looking for that same thing right now. But it's like, I just, I really don't, that's kind of uh, what everyone's looking for. I just don't think there's like a certain thing. Everyone kind of rotates back to like OGs or fruity things. And, you know, I don't know. I really can't answer that one. That's hard for me. If you uh, could wave a magic wand and change the the cannabis, either way, honestly, cannabis strain scene, I guess was my first thought. But now that, you know, you could even change the cannabis scene in general. If you could wave a magic wand, you're Harry Potter now, and you can change one or several things, what would you change? Open people's eyes to total cannabinoids, the different, you know, Terpenes, basically the full profile versus, you know, percentage, like high percentage. Um, that and that whole purple craze that's going on right now. I know it's pretty and stuff. Oh, it just, like, it never ends, does it? And I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for purple <laughs> stuff too, right? But the, it's one of the most annoying things about cannabis is that most of the time the purple phenotypes are a little weaker than in the same strain and so on, for example, because I get a lot of, you know, colors in my strains. And most of the purple ones are just a little bit less potent than the green ones. It's just, it's one of those things. Every once in a while you find an outlier, but the purple ones are just so pretty. And the reality of it is like, that's, the, the aesthetics are part of the, the experience, you know, like tea, for example, like there's different colored tea, the different colors really don't do all that much. I mean, there is some like anthocyanins or whatever. Sure. But realistically, it's not a gigantic different thing, but fuck, it looks different. And that's part of the experience, right? Like the psychological medication of it, basically. Right. <laughs> You're going to say anthos. <laughs> are you a fan of anthos? <laughs> I mean, to a degree, yeah. I, I like pinks more so than purples, but like, you know, I just, I, I've messed around with a lot of different colorations and stuff. And it's just kind of one of those things where I was over it a while ago. And so it's like kind of like the cookie hype and things of that nature. I, well, so you know, the, the floor is yours. Tell us, tell us more. Like a lot of us. I guess I'm probably still stuck in the purple hype or whatever. Actually, I know what you mean with the pinks, uh, but, uh, what, what what should we be looking for with with the weed that we enjoy? Because if you're over it, then you've moved. Not about better. looking for it. That's the thing that people are. They're always looking, and it's about smelling it. It's just about like stopping and smelling, like smelling the flowers. It's whatever smells right to your body. Right? It's not. That's what I've always told people. Like I could look at something and it looks beautiful, and this, and I smell it, and it smells like shit to me. It smells great to my friend. We smoke it. I'm pissed off. I don't like it. Like the high is not good. It's not what I'm looking for. But if I smell something that's even like, you know, 17% or something, but it smells amazing, just what I'm looking for, tastes great. Then I, that's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like it's about the smell. What, babe? Yeah. 
I just feel like that's kind of the overall uh, sense to, to guide for things rather than um, unless you're looking for a hasher of things that, you know, have stuck trade rooms that you're you know, definitively looking at something. I feel like if you're looking for what works best for you as a person, smell the weed. <coughs> Friend of the show, I don't know if you know him, uh, Bud Kilowatt is always talking about this. He hangs out with... Uh, the guys down in LA quite a bit, Masonic and all those guys. And he's talking about how the, they practically exclusively breed for hash these days. And uh, he's kind of annoyed by that. If he's like, God damn it, I love flour. He's always smoking flour. What's your thoughts on, let's say, hash versus uh, flour? Because a lot of us flour smokers are in the minority these days, right? Yeah. Um, the thing about that, it's like, they're, the structure's loose on hash plants. Like, that's what people are kind of breeding for when they talk about that. And so it's like, in my opinion, it's kind of an unstructured plant. Um, I feel like you can get the same thing with a finely structured plant. Um, I feel like Harry Palms kind of, some of the stuff, it's hit or miss, but some of it, you can have a really well-structured plant, like a straw guava that I had. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, and like, I mean, the flower structure is great on it. It washes really well. And so they're looking for like these high hashers that are just, they're absolute garbage when it comes. There's no, you cannot dry and have it as flower. It is literally, it'll turn out to be garbage. It's meant to be frozen and thrown in and washed because it's so, you know, foxtailed or loosely driven or whatever. And I, I just, I feel like, I guess there's a place for it if there's a market and that's what you're growing for, of course, you know, people are going to buy it. Um, but it's just not my style. Like I like to look for things that are just, you know, have the best definitive nodal structure. And they, you know, basically are, are, I guess, able to use for commercial use as well as for an everyday grower. Um, so even if you're able to just basically throw it in water, you'd still get a decent weight of product. But if you're a commercial grower, you can, you know, really make the plant shine if you know how to dial in your EC and like your environment. And it just, you can get it yielding like massively. And so I feel like. Uh, I miss, I think I forgot to ask a couple of people's questions in the chat. J5. Uh, uh, <laughs> dot Faux20Q, I always forget to, how to pronounce that name, says, got any spare Melvin's packs laying around? And by the way, he'd like to point out that he asked that question before you mentioned that it was your desert island pick. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I might. Um, I know I do have some new crosses with Melvin's. Um, I'll, I'd have to look if you want to shoot me an email. I can definitely check for him. Though. I think I'm misunderstanding. Delman's question. Delman, are you asking a question about the blueberry? Or are you, or did you say that you already got it from Captain Stanley? Because that's the fastest way to uh, ask that. By the way, Romulan, uh, I, we didn't include you yet. I don't know. I, I, I was like, oh, we're going to have this whole thing where they talk to each other. And da, da, da. Romulan, what are your thoughts? Compare and contrast. You're talking to a Kung Fu master here of uh, what uh, we were talking about. KNF, we didn't even get into that. He was talking about he's grown with every single possible medium. Uh, it's fucking pandemonium. 
the way that he has to <laughs> grow with thousands of different phenotypes and then tests and da 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 da. What are your thoughts, Romulan? What do you think? It's uh, it's been absolutely uh, entertaining and amazing to be here. I, I've smoked. I don't know. I lost count of how many bowls. I smoked a lot of weed, <laughs> a bunch of different cultivars, and uh, it's been really fun to do that and just kind of hang out, and listen to you guys chatting. Man. Well, I dig it. It's nice to meet you. Know, it's nice to meet you, by the way, Seattle. Yeah, you as well, brother. Thank you. Well, yeah, um, I I have no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dude, if you're just high and enjoying it, that's fine too. That is a valid contribution. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well what was your specific question? Like, well, what do you think you really about, seem to have a say, um, question other than what are my thoughts? I did not actually have a specific question. Let's see here. What, what could, what's we covered, I don't know how I, many uh, topics there, so. Well, you have an incredibly methodical way of breeding, the way you were describing it. Uh, uh, Romulan uh, was, uh, I think, electrical engineer, I think. So he's very savvy with just being super methodical with stuff because electricity will zap you, right, if you, if you do it wrong. <laughs> uh, so the way that he, he tests exclusively, he releases basically like one strain a month or even less, honestly. Anyway, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit and, and kind of putting words in your mouth. But I was thinking to myself, what did you think when you heard of the way that he kind of has to breed to find all the different outliers basically and then work those outliers into their own outliers does that seem bizarre to you in the way that you work or does that no, seem- not at all what? not at all no I, it, i'm essentially doing the same thing i just oh. uh i'm doing it on a much smaller property with much smaller rooms and smaller scale I gotcha. i'm not i'm not doing near the numbers that he's doing um but at the same time i'm not really uh, looking for specific, you know, I'm looking for breeding parents and, and I, it doesn't sound like I'm necessarily as, uh, looking for very specific things like he is. He's working with even certain minor cannabinoids intentionally and things like that. I'm not doing things like that. So I don't need to, uh, or, or at least I haven't felt the need to this far to get into where I'm growing thousands of plants looking for the one speaking of the one out of some spock shit here out of the many becomes one what am i trying to say like uh (laughs) finding the one out of a hundred plants versus finding the one out of a thousand plants i asked flora nugs i guess it's flora no flora nugs took off Uh, it's probably late for him now uh i was asking him the other day he's sort of a smaller breeder like i am right he's been doing it longer than i have though uh so i said hey flora are kind of in a nutshell are we wasting our time i guess i'm not saying in that sense that's too negative but where do you think about that for example i probably meet at a smaller scale than you and i've been doing it certainly way less time than you have and then for yeah. example you just said that he's doing it on a, an even bigger scale where does all this relate to each other is it all just apples and oranges for example like with wines there's all kinds of different cultivars and wineries or does it, I think the old joke, does size matter? Does it, are we wasting our time for being smaller size breeders or is it all just one way to, to. There's two sides of the coin. There's, we need it all. First of all. Yeah. This is uh genetics that we're playing with here. This is mother nature. We, we can't really, we're not at the point where we're splicing genes and we're literally crafting exactly what we want to craft. It's still guesswork for the most part with things that we do, even though it's based on knowledge and, and in a skill set. Um, but at some point in the end, Mother Nature does what she wants to do. So we can't control that. 
So there's two sides of the coin as far as people that are doing thousands of plant pheno hunts and looking for, you know, just the one specific thing or whatever it is that they're really looking for. Um, there's a need for that. And there's a, there's a merit for that because what they're looking for something specific, usually in the plant, along with all these other specific standards that they've already set out, maybe they're looking for the terpiest, highest testing, best structure, uh, whatever it is, you know, they've got a list of things. Um, when you're doing it on smaller scale, like small scale breeding, like me, if I'm doing, and I've done stuff, you know, in the hundreds, but a couple hundred. When I'm doing that, I'm only going through 100 or 200 plants to start to narrow it down to where in the end, I don't have any more than like 20 different things to smoke. Because that's, to me, I can't differentiate between number four and number 17. If I've got 20, more than 20 different things, you really start to kind of lose focus on which one really is the best and you can, but you have to stretch it out for a long period of time smoking it. So you have to really kind of like go, you know, stay with one all day kind of go from jar to jar, get to a point where you've got, you know, to know each one a little bit to where you start going back to specific jars and you know, okay, well, you know, these were all totally full when I started in the gallon and now these are half and the other ones are nowhere near half. So clearly I'm, you know, these are the ones I keep turning to. And you start, maybe you can whittle it down that way, but it gets too hard, in my opinion, if you're choosing off of the smoke to have much more than, you know, 100 or 200 that you're starting. But the people that are doing more than that, usually that's, they're not just going that route. You know, I'm looking for a plant that grows and does all the things I want it to do, but smokes how I want it to smoke. Whereas if you're looking through thousands, you're usually looking for, the plant first you know like that's that's the primary thing then you're okay well it, it tastes good and it smokes pretty good but that's not really because when you're going through thousands that can't really be your primary i mean how do you test and smoke everything there's just no way to do that right somewhere I can smoke there's maybe a, I can, somewhere I can there's smoke like a young guy who's like i volunteer's tribute Right, like a uh, uh, professional. What you're saying that I can smoke weed all day and get paid for it, just like nonstop. It's like it's somebody's dream well, job. They're like, wait, guys. what? <laughs> I give a ton of weed out. I mean, I give a ton of weed out to my friends, and I'll give them like one gram bags, and say, hey, don't smoke it all in one day. Smoke one bag each day. You know, and let me know because I want you to have a, a joint of this, but I don't want to give you, you know, 30 different of the same because I want you to come back and tell me if there's something different with that plant. But I give a ton of weed out <laughs> because well, anyway, I, can't I was thinking about it this. And I uh... can't differentiate it. Thank you for reminding me, Captain 420, about, uh, I'm interrupting everybody apparently right now, but I guess I'll just finish my thought. I was asked, uh, I think today, what my favorite thing about being a uh, cannabis breeder is. And I said, oh, go figure. I kind of discovered this, uh, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago or something, because I got emails every once in a while. Or I, get, I get emails every once in a while from, you know, customers and stuff as one does, right? And, you know, it might be 
six months after they got seeds. It might be a year, it might be two years, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, but at some point, a lot of times people will email you and be like, oh my God, fume, you know, just so you know, uh, my wife and I were smoking this and we, you know, on our anniversary, it'll be shit like this. It'll be like, we had the best night of our lives. <laughs> like we were smoking your weed and the weed wasn't the only thing, but basically the weed was part of the experience that basically became like the best night of their lives. And I was thinking to myself that what it is, is basically being like a delayed time fusion or what's the word I'm looking for? Like a time delay weed Santa Claus, essentially. Like we basically give people an experience that enhances potentially some of the best moments of their lives, or maybe make some of the worst moments of their life if they're in a bad mood or whatever else. But at some point, basically we many months in the future improve their lives in some weird way. Does that make any sense? Captain for uh, Captain Steven, you're, you're, you're laughing. Uh, do you agree with that or? Yeah, it makes sense. What's your favorite thing about being a, uh, I, I, involved with weed because I guess you do a lot in weed. You're all, not just a breeder; you're also a grower. You do a bunch of other stuff. What, what's your favorite part of it? Oh man, favorite! I can tell you what parts I really don't like about it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That works too. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I really do love cultivating. Like that is for sure. Like I could be in that room, but my wife has to come drag me out or, you know, be like, dude, come on. It's been hours. Like come out of the hole. Like you got to come out. Like, so I don't know. It's probably cultivated. I do like making hash, um, like pressing rosin. Um, but yeah, I'd say cultivating is probably my least favorite thing is people say trimming. Well, try collecting feminized pollen. That is, I would say between that and, um, yeah, just pollen in general, man, I'm getting to the point where I'm so allergic to it. It's just, it's hard. Like I can't do massive pollen dumps. Like when I've been around it, I have to wear long sleeves or I get hives and shit like that now. So it's, That's unfortunately being around the plant for so long, I kind of developed allergies. I've heard that that might be kind of an exposure thing that the more people are around pollen, the more allergic they get. And so I'm apprehensive. I'm not allergic to it at all right now. So I'm, I'm worried like if at some point in the future it changes. Pardon me. I said I was not for the first 10, 12 years of doing it. And then just one day I did it and I got like, I almost like an anaphylactic shock. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. Like I literally, I was a mess for like three days. Like it was, it was terrible. So it just, I, and now I have to wear like a respirator and go in like in a full Tyvek. <laughs> so it's again, just before war, like it's hopefully it doesn't happen to other breeders, but like, man, that stuff affects me like no other now. Yeah. I've, I've got a respirator I wear. Really? It's not, it's not fun breathing in pollen. You do it once and you don't want to do it again. No, it is not. I don't seem to, I mean, I sneeze and stuff. But I don't really have a problem with it. I can just, I literally can be right next to the plant. Just, just yeah, but taste the stuff, but I guess I long-term effects probably aren't the best. No, they're know. not. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, well, I mean, uh, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it's basically yeah. just pollen, but it's not asbestos. It doesn't really yeah, I don't think get too uh, deep in your lungs, really. 
uh, I don't find myself like hacking it up or whatever. I just kind of sneeze a couple times and that's it. It doesn't seem so fine grained uh, that, you know, it'll really get into your fucking alveoli and stuff and cause you to get bronchitis or something. So I don't really oh, yeah. think that, I mean, I don't know. You're right. Like there's people that have asthma for, well, I have friends that have asthma. Fuck, that would have long-term impacts for sure. I got asthma too. There so, you go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the shit we do, we should be wearing masks for. Oh, I agree with you on now, that for sure. Here's the thing. Do you collect your pollen and then use a paintbrush to paint? Or are you like me that just takes a male plant or a couple of them and shakes the shit out of them in the room? You know, if you're you're doing that in the room, then you're definitely going to want to have some sort of respirator on it. Because that's the way I pollinate. I don't collect pollen sacks and you know, use a paintbrush. No, you grab the fucking nail plant, you shake <laughs> it all about, and you can't see four feet past the fourth, past the thousand watt light because of all the pollen. So I know exactly what yeah. it's like to bring all that in. Reversals are always, they can be, but the way that they produce pollen generally. They don't do it the same as males. And so a lot of the time you have to end up collecting them over a, you know, like essentially like a trim tray and then using the trim tray to kind of, once they dry to, you know, move it about like you would seeds and then collecting from that tray and then putting it to something with like, um, you know, rice or silica or something along the lines of that. But like feminized pollen are the only times where I have to really worry about doing that like with male pollen i usually can take them shake them um a lot of times i'll put them in a large you know turkey bag and shake them collect them that way tie it off and then uh yeah go about that way and then i can either paint brush it or um do a static pollination with the bag i can just go to each plant and kind of use the bag to pollinate them if i need to at a later time <laughs> I remember uh, uh, Romulan was complaining actually about the feminized pollen. I haven't had a chance to to feminize. I guess even before we ask Romulan about the feminized, what are your thoughts on feminized plants? They're they're always a very contentious topic. Uh, they're basically a part of the market now. So I mean, like they, most breeders are either, either either they have a feminized line or they're planning one. I mean, you'd be dumb not to, right? So what are your thoughts? Is it a valid part of the cannabis genome or is it something to watch out for what do you think um no you definitely it's something to to i mean to utilize like maybe back in the day the rates weren't as high due to like you know colloidal silver being slowly used but now that people are using uh silver diphosphate or sorry silver diphosphate solution and um like gilberic acid um, things like that. It, it just seems to be the fems aren't as terrible as they used to be at one point in time. Um, not only that, but it's like selfing has its place to where sometimes you don't have a plant or seed stock and you need to reproduce them. 
I know you're not essentially going to get the same copy of that, but you might find something that's similar. And so I feel like well, but also when you think about it, just what a powerful weapon for breeding. I mean, like maybe weapon is the wrong word, but what a powerful tool for breeding. Yeah. I mean, it's as powerful as a weapon, frankly. I was thinking about a couple of different plants that I really like of mine, and I was thinking to myself, I already have a progeny of a couple. Of, well, for example, I guess it's not a big secret. In my case, uh, a sour Morgana. And so I'm looking at some of the progeny, basically, the, the, the daughters, basically, of sour Morgana right now. And I'm like, fuck, these are wonderful in every goddamn way. And I'm just thinking to myself, I can now start crossing, like, for example, if I feminize any of those daughters to that original mother and then keep working on that. And I thought to myself, I, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever one of those moments probably that you had 10 years ago where the sky opened and you were like, you finally saw the possibility basically of your breeding on some level, right? What am I trying to say? How much quicker? That would be like, yeah, sure, I can still do exactly what I did and just do another breed run. And that's probably the healthier and happier way to do it. Another breed run with a new male. And for example, I like in this case, it doesn't actually matter. You guys probably don't care. But in my case, I used a, a Black Prince Ruby male. So it's got these particular uh, shorter growth characteristics. It's got, you know, vigor, da, 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 strawberry flavors. And in this case, basically, I think it improved the sour morgana. So I thought to myself, okay, I can do that and I can basically select females out and I can slightly improve the line every single time, or I can dial in on that, in this case, sour cherry uh, uh, thing that I like, this particular kind of meaty sour cherry that's really up your fucking nose and aggressive. You could do it literally twice or three times faster just by feminizing it. I was kind of thinking to myself, it's an, in it's interesting. I don't know. I'm talking out loud probably for a lot of you guys. This is not new information for either of you guys, but it was just an interesting realization to see visually how fast this could happen. Seeing all the characteristics in the daughters and saying, okay, I could nail this to a wall by doing this like three, four times and picking exactly that thing. Anyway, yeah, that's not even a question, you know? Like, what, I don't know, what do you guys, you're just, you guys are like, yeah, exactly. We found that out like 10 years ago. My phone's about to die here. <laughs> I was actually just about to say, you know, uh, uh, this show goes long. You are more than welcome to hop off. Uh, you're also more than welcome to uh, hop on another time. We'd love to have you back some other time. Uh, and, uh, dude, it's been a, a delightful uh, conversation, honestly. Yeah, I would what love to come back with you guys a lot more. Cheers, dude. My phone's going die here in a second, so. It was nice to meet you, Romulan. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate you, it. Yeah, Where can we find you, Captain? Uh, Seattle Chronic Seeds on Instagram, or you can email me at seattlechronicseeds at gmail.com. I also have a website, www.seattlechronicseeds.com. Oh, and I think right we've got a couple questions uh, in the chat. What uh, line right now that you're working on should people keep an eye out for? You mentioned the Melvins and what else? I do. So I have a reversed uh, Melvin's line coming out. Um, I have a lot of the Varens coming out. So I have a bunch of uh, collective cashers coming out. I just have a lot of collective work from the past three years that I'm starting to release. So just kind of keep an eye out on Instagram or through some of the seed banks that I go through. But uh, yeah, I should start releasing things here probably in the next month or two. Sure. Sure. It's been a great conversation, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, All right, have a good one. Later, later. Uh, he's off in uh, Oklahoma, so it's even later than I thought. Uh, well, Romulan, uh, you're welcome to hang, man. You're welcome to chill. Uh, uh, you're welcome to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want you to feel like you have to be on the spot or something, right? Like if you want to no, just kind of sit here and chill or whatever, but. I don't feel that. I don't feel that at all. Shit, you're I do kind of want to add to what we were just talking about. Do. 
<clears throat> so the reversing stuff and making feminized seeds, there's kind of a range of, of when you reverse plants, what's going to happen. And the range is all the way from quite literally zero. There are some cuts out there that are just not reversible. Um, Mac one was one of them that was famous for it. Right? Or, or they just won't produce viable pollen, even, even though they, they look like they've reversed. Um, I've heard stories from a lot of different people. And I, I've seen a few myself. So there's that range. And then there's all the way to it produces pollen somewhat close to kind of like a regular seed male does, but, but not quite the same. Huh. Um, and and yeah. everything, in, everything in between. So I've had stuff that, you know, like whenever I make feminized process with my Romulan, it doesn't produce very much viable pollen. It's really difficult to do. Um, when I, when I've made uh communion or something else, uh, made process at that and reversed it, it dumps a lot of viable pollen. So it actually does really well. So there's, there's kind of two totally different worlds and it depends on what you're reversing. But what I do when, for anyone out there that hears this, that wants to make them and I seeds, whatever, if you have something that doesn't produce much viable pollen, um, make a bunch of clones and reverse them all when you're making seeds. So that way you're having like a four to one or a five to one ratio of reverse plants to a female that's going to get seeded. And between those, whatever you need. Um, if you have experience with making seeds, you'll be able to look at your reversal plant, just one of them and go, I can tell by what it's doing and what I'm seeing in the stigmas and everything, how they're reacting, that I'm not getting that much off of this. I probably need more. And usually you can look around and go, okay, I'm going to need two or three or four, whatever it is to every female. And you just make more reverse more and you'll end up with a good pollination. Uh, that was a good tip, by the way, that you, I think you said that. Yeah. You said that the first time you were on the show. Um, who have I, who else? I guess I've heard somebody else say that maybe DJ short or somebody. So anyway, it's great minds think alike. It's, probably. It's helped. It's helped me a lot. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of just completely useless. I mean, completely useless. I had one where I got two seeds. I had another run where I got three seeds. Um, and it's really upsetting to do a bunch of work, get all your clones, everything ready, get all the timing right, get your room going, and it's just all for fucking nothing. And because you don't know if it's seeded or not, it's not like you're prepared to smoke it or anything. So, you know, you got to go through every single bit of flour to see if there are seeds, to see if you got anything out of it. And by the time you get done doing that, you're like, it's just, it was all a complete waste and it's horrible to do that. Oh, it's so annoying to get those plants that look, I've had plants that look pregnant. And then when you get into it, you're like, there's three seeds in it. Like, I don't even know. Like it looked like they were all pregnant bracts and stuff, but no, it's just all bullshit. It's all like tan seeds and whatever stupid shit like some plants just don't want to get seeded uh mm -hmm. the fuck was i gonna say before that uh well i i don't know i don't know why i'm so harping on it but people ask this question a lot so i guess uh, i might as well just get your thoughts on it what do you think about feminized breeding you think that it's a either a short-term tool or is it a long-term tool would you trust a line uh that has been f-aided all the way down in, in a feminized way to, to uh, trust that line in your breeding uh, going forward? Like, is it, is it a valid tool in the arsenal? Um, it's something valid to do, to, to make new things, to kind of be creative and experiment, to look for clones and cuts, um, because there's plenty of stuff that's been kept around in clone form for two decades now, longer than that. Um, so 
it's not necessarily that you can really kind of put a blanket over it and say, well, it's all bad um, because it has all kinds of good things about it. Um, but my personal idea is that it's kind of a, it's a dead end once you've made something feminized or making it, someone can take a clone of it and all that stuff, but it's not something to continue breeding with like regular seed stock is because it's missing um, a, a Y chromosome. Well, I don't, you know, not, not necessarily, but it could have damaged DNA. It could have all kinds of things. Maybe we don't even understand yet. Um, so from my understanding, my, my, you know, the way I look at it is, um, personally, it's not like I don't go and try to breed with things that I, I don't pop female seeds to look for parents, basically. Um, and, and I wouldn't do that, but I don't, uh, I don't think it's wrong to do. It's not like we're on an island and there's a, you know, a very finite amount of, of cultivars that we have here. We have to, you know, keep them all alive and, and make sure everything's really genetically diverse. It already is. It's all over the fucking place. So it doesn't matter what people make. What it, the best stuff will stick around and only a few things will really last 10, 20 year timeframes where they're still grown, still talked about, still smoked 20, 30 years after they were made. So we've talked about, well, I guess we don't have to mention the specific names, to be honest, but we've talked about breeders in the show that do whole feminized runs and they have RBX, six, whatever the shit, I don't know. They've been doing line breeding all the way with uh, feminized and they see no problems with it, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of their customers apparently see no problems with it. And then other people sort of see this intrinsic problem with it. So where would you advise me? So I'm looking at my uh, sour cherry Morgana. So it's, in her case, I call it sour Morgana, but it's basically like sour cherry lifesavers Morgana. It's not that important mm -hmm. exactly which one it would be. It could be any fucking plant, really. But let's say I'm looking at the sour Morgana and I'm looking at, let's say, her next to a couple of her daughters. And I'm seeing basically like twins, basically, but they're bigger, faster, stronger. They have a better stem. They're even more aromatic. Uh, they have even better leaf structure. They look to be even more photosynthetically active. They're more better brick structure, on and on and on. So my thought is, well, shit on a brick with a stick. Uh, I mean, that was intentional because basically I bred it with uh, Black Prince Ruby. So they are also, you know, again, F1s. They're, they're, they're hit with another unrelated thing, basically, or a fairly unrelated thing. Still, I could basically go another generation down and breed again with another male. That, that's the logical answer that, that evolution follows, right? Or I could follow these guys that do the RBX-6 and the RBX-12, whatever the fuck, and uh, basically do a few feminized runs and find females every single run and nail down very, very quickly. Where would you advise me? Would you say, no, that's a terrible thing to do. You're going to basically dead end the, the future genetic stock. Or would you say, yeah, go for it. Uh, uh, that's the way to find uh, whatever, I guess in this case, because uh, 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 there's I, always something you find that's unpredicted. But let's say in this case, yeah. the pure sour cherry lifesavers or something, whatever. I have zero experience and, and haven't really talked to anyone that has uh, bred deep with feminized only. Um, so that's where I would say, don't go that route. Cause I wouldn't really be able to give you any advice or help. I mean, that's fair. It's, I mean, it's rare these days for people to admit that they just don't know, like, bro, I don't know. So I'm not going to pretend that I don't know. That's a valid answer. <laughs> go for it, Smash. People really want, 
they lean towards the feminized seeds because they think it's going to be easier. They're like, oh, I don't have to do males. I don't have to do any pulling. That's time, cool. Sure. Space. But, I, like, you know me, I do runs of regular than feminized. Regular than feminized. Just to kind of have a progressive, like, I know I'm have guaranteed females in the garden this time, and now I have a little bit of time to pick out some males. So it gives me like a little buffer zone within my perpetual grow right now where I can actually use the feminized to my advantage to know I have females coming out to then go into veg and, and pop some regulars and pull up the males and get some females ready to go into flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost my mark. What the fuck? Just had it. Um, I actually just popped. Oh, sorry. I was kind of <laughs> formulating a question. It's all right. Um, I don't know. I guess the, where was the? <coughs> pardon me for coughing, everybody. Uh, <coughs> where was the question going without <coughs> awkwardly coughing? <coughs> God damn it! Please hold. Yeah, why are you coughing? Yeah, I just popped some uh, some of Duke Diamond Shine out. Um, Virginia Beach Afghani to Screaming Eagle, which is a bunch of G, uh, G13. I'm really hoping it's going to be that. Dude, uh, I think that's the ticket. I've been telling you, I think to pop that for a while, I, I think you're going to enjoy it. I've heard nothing but good yeah. things about Duke Diamond. That's one of the guests that I would love to get on the show, too. I got to email him, frankly, or DM him, I think. Um, He's probably the second most requested uh, guest on the show. Seattle Chronic was probably the most, honestly, over time. Anyway, apparently a really good breeder, so uh, uh, we'll have to chat with him. Anyway, he has a rep for heavy-hitting stuff. Not all of it actually is indica, but that one definitely, I think, is, so right up your wheelhouse. Smash has said this before, basically, that he's really into the uh, sedative qualities of weed, right? Like, I, I basically... I go back and forth. I like pretty much all weeds. So when I hear people say, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that, it's kind of weird to me because I was like, I like all weed basically. But uh, I definitely gravitate to uh, uplifting head highs pretty much, right? The narrow leaf cultivars basically. Um, where was I going? With? And I'm completely flipped. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong um, with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I try to explain to everyone that I talk to, I'm like, they're like, oh, I don't really don't like that strain. So I tell people not to get it. I'm like, well, you never know if that strain is going to be good for another person. Everyone's system is a little different. Yeah, there are the strains that have a commonality to them. Exactly. But, like, Fumi doesn't uh-huh. really get for Mac 1. Mac 1 hits me pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just those so strains. For real, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I still had a jar for fuck I don't know a year like and a that. half after I grew the fucking thing like wasn't a high yielder and so I think I only got maybe two or three jars of it total and I still had a jar like I say like a year and a half afterwards just every once in a while I dip into it but literally uh, because you know I'd have the jar on the table I'd be smoking the joint and I would forget that I was smoking the joint and I would literally start rolling up another joint I'd be halfway through or sometimes I would light the second joint and I would remember oh right I literally have two joints at the same time because for me it was it, it was just this weird effect where it was just like water or something i don't know how to describe it it was just literally just fucking water um 
it, it, there was more into it because I think you know I've said this before the psychological impact like I guess maybe this plays into it with the what was I saying with the purple and whatever with tea oh it's a pretty color da 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 it impacts you it does impact you because famously for me anyway famously because I I think of it every time about it uh, I lost a friend basically over Mac One so the friend that gave me Mac One uh, that somehow fell apart da 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 and then I remember thinking like no fucking strain is worth a friendship. You know, no, no, uh, a decent friendship is worth any fucking plant basically. Right. And so from the very beginning, I was like, fuck this fucking plant pretty much. Right. And so it had a high road to a uh, high bar to, to surpass. And it never matched it because it veges like garbage. Uh, it flowers like garbage. It, for me anyway, it took forever. It ended up being an absolutely 11 out of 10 gorgeous plant. I mean, just beyond gorgeous, like next level pretty. Uh, one of the prettiest plants I've ever grown in my life. Not the prettiest, but one of the fucking prettiest. Uh, literally, 11 out of fucking 10. But almost everything else about the plant was like a 6 out of 10. You know, not a 1 out of 10, for sure, because it is frosty, it is greasy, uh, it is aromatic, blah, blah, blah. It's got that kind of, you know, yogurt pudding, horchata, whatever kind of aroma, right? But there's plenty of stuff. that There's a strain called horchata that tastes more horchata than fucking Mac 1 does. On and on and on. You know, for me, it was just this bullshit strain. But it wouldn't be famous if, like, half the world didn't love the absolute ever-loving shit out of it, which turns out half the world, like, loves the absolute ever-loving shit out of it. So it's honestly kind of a humbling reminder every time I think that I'm some kind of a big old expert. Nah, you know, like, at best, I I'm, have educated guesses half the fucking time because I'm just like, Mac 1? No, pass on that. Well, half the people would love it. Right? But so. I think it's every strain is like that. Like, cause I even heard people say like, Oh, Rom like Romulan hits me hard. That's like, actually like, pretty famous. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't heard too many people say like me, but Romulan. Yeah. I've heard a couple, <laughs> but it's just not in their wheelhouse is, is what the thing is. It's not what they're looking for. They're, they're totally yeah. looking for something completely different. And it's just, it, like you said, it is psychological to an extent. Like, if you don't think you're going to like the weed, you're probably not going to like the yep. weed. Yeah, absolutely right. That's uh, funny. So since we have Romulan genetics on here, uh, the big PM hit of 2016 wiped out my uh, Romulan I had in Michigan. Uh, we need that old school Romulan, or I do. Because I'd really like to find these weeds where I'm smoking a joint of it and I'm rolling another one because I don't find those weeds often. But the Romulan I had was exceptional for many different levels. Uh, for me, it worked. Uh, especially with the nerve pain and allowing my mind to separate. But uh, getting back, I didn't mention this earlier because I didn't break into it. Uh, I think once you sell the plant, to me, that's, you know, yeah, you can cross a, a male back into it. And you can put those back into it, but, you know, you're taking a plant and you're removing part of the original genetics. 
So and not only that, but that, that uh, uh, Romulan's question, what do you think about that, Captain 420, about the potential? Because we don't... This is speculation. We don't actually know because at the moment we're not talking. Uh, uh, we should get a geneticist, honestly, to answer this question. But for the moment, I'm just going to continue the question so that nobody thinks we're, we're fucking crazy, uh, or at least I'm that crazy. Uh, are we causing damage genetically to the plant in terms of the DNA, basically, of the plant by tricking it into in, inducing it into uh, creating uh, feminized pollen? It's kind of an aberration of nature, right? You're blocking the ethylene so that the female plant just is forced to produce like pollen, but it's pollen with female genetics, essentially. Uh, have you damaged the genetics? It's a fair question. I mean, it's one of the kind of things that maybe not because you're not really inducing it in terms of any kind of radioactivity. But at the same time, maybe yes, because you are really tricking the plant to do something that it's not really supposed to do. Well, is it not supposed but, to do it? Because a lot of the time you will have plants that will hermaphrodite. It is in the genetics that it can the, do it. Delightful nanner in my, what was this? Apple tarts five. Um, but you're also, you're also asking that to somebody that takes a male and reverses a male to end up with regular pollen, basically. But I think when you sell a plant, you genetically alter that plant and you lose part of that plant that you'll never get back. Now, you may have to go through a thousand seeds to find that thing that disappeared. It may show up, but you may have to run through a thousand different female S1s to find it. I've heard so the, the fear. Well, wouldn't that be the, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Wouldn't that be the same with F1s to an extent? Like when you're crossing regulars, you never really know. You're going to have to. Fair point. Fair point. So I think we were talking about the same thing. So I've yeah. heard people say that, okay, what are we potentially missing? So not in a hypothetical magic Harry Potter mm -hmm. kind of way, but uh, let's say, for example, we are losing a particular uh, pathogen resistance. Well, a particular <laughs> pathogen resistance, let's say, to a pathogen that has not yet appeared. And it has not yet appeared because we, humankind, have not seen it. But cannabis is a lot older. It's you know, several millions, if not tens of millions of years old. Its ancestors are far older than that, stretching back ultimately until the, the dawn of life itself. So they're adapted super, super well to the environment. By tricking it in some way, what if we're taking away a resistance to some pathogen that comes back every 50,000 years? The fuck do we know? I mean, maybe it's in the tundra of Siberia or whatever. This is speculation, of course. But what if there's a locust or whatever the fuck from China that loves the shit out of cannabis and normal cannabis has no problem with it, but feminized cannabis somehow is susceptible to it? I'm, I'm really obviously wildly speculating right now, but I'm kind of trying to make it a little bit more tangible about what we could be losing. And so let's say, for example, is that worth the risk? Is that particular loss of pathogenic resistance or are we being paranoid at this point like whoa bro space aliens and shit what do you want i've got to let, let me let me let me clarify what i uh Go for it. in in my clarification of what i said maybe this will kind of help people understand it a little bit easier or, or better or whatever it is um <laughs> my reasoning for doing what i do with breeding and not breeding with anything that comes from feminized seed stock as far as I know, I may have worked with some clones that came from that, but I didn't know that. Um, in my own head, it's my own thing. My reason for doing it is because I wonder 
if maybe, because these weren't necessarily made naturally, maybe there could be something that happens within the actual genetics themselves. Because I have studied genetics and I have studied breeding in multiple different forms, not just what, for plants. Books, but, bro? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and what I've learned is, is in particular in cannabis, as we're talking about, is it's, it, you can damage the genetics of a seedling when you're trying to germinate it by doing things wrong. It's that easy to damage DNA in genetics. And people don't realize that necessarily. So not that that's important in any way. It's just something that I use as kind of a rule myself because I don't really need to be breeding with stuff that's made from feminine So if my opinion with this, the genetics, I think auto flowers would be ruining genetics more than anything else. I don't think you can make like a gorilla glue, an auto flower and actually call it gorilla glue. You know what I mean? I don't think it will be nearly close to what the actual gg4 you know i'll I'll, I'll give you far more nightmare fuel than that brother there's (laughs) there's there's a way to quite easily like like how we spray chemicals on plants and reverse them i say quite easily it's it's not easy for a common person but you can learn how to do it fairly easily you can with the right amount of knowledge you can spray plants with different chemicals and essentially make plants that make seeds, which are sterile. The seeds yeah, will exactly. grow plants that the seeds will grow plants and they cannot be pollinated. It doesn't matter if they herm, whatever pollen they throw out, it's like leave the nails in the room. And out of out of a 10 by 10 room, you may have two to five seeds out of the entire crop. Um, that's how unsterile they are. And that's frightening because that will kill the genetics, because you'll have to rely on someone producing those seeds. You can't really replicate them other than through cloning. Well, that's kind of the problem with autoflowers too. It's kind of like a sales pitch. Like you can't yeah. clone. You can't. You can't. You gotta. You gotta go back if you want to try to find what you to go back to the the breeder and buy the seeds. Well, if if you're getting like with autoflower, if you get regular seeds, that's flowers, yeah, yeah, you you can keep producing cool. more if you want, but. If you're talking about these feminized versions of it, yeah, it's kind of a dead end, dead stop, and you can't even clone that. And to an extent, people were saying that's going to be the future of like big corporations was autoflowers. If they could ever narrow it down, how easy would it be, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Um, well, no, it's 30, 30, 30, wow. Funny you guys were talking about herbs too. I got uh, granddaddy purple seeds going right now. What are your thoughts on uh, wait, anthocyanin wait laden plants, Romulan? You think uh, the perps are important? Are they a valid part of uh, uh, Seattle? Is so over it. Are you so over it as well? Uh, uh, no, or is no, it part no. of the aesthetic bouquet of cannabis? I think they're uh, they're beautiful to look at. They're beautiful to take pictures of, show other people. Um, <laughs> I think uh, for the most part, like in my world, uh, it, there's no difference because you trim all that color off in almost every case. Mm-hmm. There's a few stuff out there. The, the flower itself looks purple. Um, but most stuff that, you know, the purplest crap that I grow, it might have a little bit of color left on the flower after I'm done trimming and curing and everything else. So, And I'm only going to pinch a little butt off and smoke it. So I'm not going to sit there and stare at it. You know, it's not a two-hour movie or something. 
Um, at that point, I don't really care what the fuck it looks like. I care what it smells like. Uh, so color for me, it's, it's great. I don't uh, look down on it in any kind of way. I don't <laughs> find myself enjoying strains that are um, very heavily purple flower. You know, the kind that just like if I held it up right now and you guys were looking very at how, heavy how purple, purple it has almost all the same flavor, even if it's uh, from yeah, different purple. families, Afghans, Thais, whatever. They have a very kind of grapey, musky, mangoey, whatever. Yeah. And it's very unusual for them yeah. to have a different flavor than that. Those are the cool And it's, it's, it's not necessarily a rule because <laughs> we're talking, there's all kinds of different cultivars, but just mm -hmm. on a, a basic, uh, you know, just a basic level. The when plants are more heavily colored like that, they can't really photosynthesize properly, so they necessarily can't grow like they would if they were a green plant with green leaves. It essentially slows them down. That's why a lot of people like the purple and, and, Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know that that don't let anyone take that as like, a, oh, well, that's some kind of rule or anything. But no, it's logical to yeah. me. That's why when I'm smoking something that's heavily purple. That's what I'm thinking is that's why it's not maybe if there was another genotype, a sister plant from the same, you know, seed stock next to it that was green, that might smoke a lot better in my mind, you know, and, and like when I've made stuff, I've seen that's that. Thing, how do I, say, I, I think you're 100% right. Basically, like it, it depends on the selection process. So, for example, I can say without a hint of exaggeration or doubt or whatever, uh, some of my favorite phenotypes of my Mar Morgana, a couple strains of mine, Morgana and Black Prince Ruby, uh, many, Morgana is like 60% perped up, basically. You won't get too many phenotypes that are actually deep, dark, velvety, granddaddy purple, 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 but you can basically the violets and purples and shit like this, basically, right? Like that uh, modeled purples and stuff that comes a lot from the Ruby Jack line, basically, that I bred into that Black Prince Ruby. And sure enough, there's an enormous amount of violets and purples and pinkish hues and whatever else in the black prince ruby and they're excellent awesome incredible weed but the green phenotypes are ever so slightly stronger so for example with morgana i didn't end up keeping even though i loved everything about this particular phenotype it's on my business cards and blah 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 and i feel a little bit like a fraud these days because i actually let <laughs> this one die so every time i show a picture i'm like oh, i'm basically showing a corpse i actually so don't like, have that yeah i don't have that one anymore and in my opinion i have a slightly better one actually because i keep very similar morphology but bigger faster stronger and better flavor even arguably the sour cherry morgana and i'm working with her now on a whole new line it's oh my god it's fucking delightful da, 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 da. and then also that black cherry morgana that is modeled basically green but with like little flecks of purple and stuff blah 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 slightly stronger than the the purpley ones basically they were slightly better slightly stronger, I, find, I, to admit it. I find the weed that fades into the purple colors the, the deep colors are the, are the stronger ones and the, like the ones that stay purple the whole time, like they don't really have a green bud to it, seem to be a little bit weak. Like, but the reason why people like it so much, bag appeal, bag appeal, different, different shit. But again, you know, you know like uh, I'm not up. talking about, yeah, exactly. And when the bag appeal, like uh, uh, the entire experience of the smoking process matters. And realistically, when I'm talking about it's that's not the most important criteria for me, whether it's the 11 out of 10 versus the 10 out of 10 and a half out of 10, because the entire experience of that weed basically adds up. I should sim simplify this expression. Okay. So backing up, I am of the opinion that the, 
the weed smoking experience is like a tea ritual. And a tea ritual, if anybody's sort of not familiar with it, imagine a ritual you do every fucking day, yeah, basically. Yeah, they, and, but they do it every, they do it the same way every single time. Right. Japanese, for example, it is actually like a religious kind of ritual, basically, but they do it very much the same way. But even the English or anybody else, they pretty much do it the same way, even to the point that you could time someone's be, oh, they put the kettle on and then they walk across the kitchen, they get the tea bag and da da da. They do a, an actual ritual. And it, it turns out that that ritual is part of the enjoyment of the experience already. And so essentially, once you start that ritual, even from the moment you decide to go make a tea, your blood pressure starts to drop, your agitation level, your stress level, your cortisol levels, whatever, those apparently drop as well. And you are already in the experience, even though you just barely even got started. You didn't even start, you haven't even had your first sip. And so I guess where I go with that is that the entire experience of smoking weed is from the moment you don't open the jar like that, but hopefully you open up a, a glass jar of something you brew yourself. You know, from the moment you pick the label and then you basically, you know, crack open the jar and smell it and you're picking open the buds and all of that is already part of that enjoyment of that tea ritual, basically, with cannabis. And so, in my opinion, having the weed smell exceptionally strong, uh, look exceptionally nice, be that kind of Instagrammable effect, be tactilely greasy. When you touch it, it should feel like weed because every single step of this process, you know, I've ever, you know, I have the opposite of that experience when I get dispensary weed. The last week, I think I was breaking up some weed and I was like, A, it literally crumbles to dust and B, it's not sticky in any way. And I'm like, this is very on you. This is not weed for me, right? It's just like, it's like the uncanny valley or something. It's like a robot or something walked in and it's supposed to be a human. The weed should be sticky. And then as you're breaking it up, it should emit even more aromas because anytime you break open a fruit, the fucking fruit smells more, right? So if you break up weed and it smells less, that's weird. Right. So like, how do I say every single step of this process is super important. And then when you break it up for me, fuck, it is a delight. Uh, uh, my Ruby Jack has this tendency. Uh, the reason why I called the original strain Ruby Jack, and then that was from my friend Stevie. And then I bred it into some other strains was that uh, it was basically green. But when you would break open the buds, it would have little purple brackets inside. Like you broke open, a, open a, like a pirate broke it open, a treasure chest filled with rubies. And, right. And it, the most important thing is it never failed to make me smile, really. And it was such a delightful experience because it was like a surprise like opening up a treasure chest. Every time I would break open a nug, it smelled incredible. And I was, you know, I, I already knew it was going to smell wonderful. And, da, 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 da. and then I would break open the joint and it's fucking purple on the, and I'm like, fuck it. Never. It just, it never failed. It was like a magic trick, right? Like it was just wonderful. It would make me smile. And sure. It probably didn't get me that 1% higher than if it was the green phenotype or this or that other thing, but it never failed to make me smile to break open that bud and have this purple weed on the joint and wrap it up. And then the joint sometimes would be purple. You just smile. You're like, Oh, how often does that happen? And just, uh, it, you know, and it was, how do I say like, uh, that tea ritual experience I think is important enough that I really do enjoy the colorful strains. And so I don't want like all of my strains to be deeply colorful. So for example, I have for every forbidden fruit cross I'm going to have, I'm going to have my Oaxacan thunderfuck that is green as a freaking grass field because I know that there's going to be some very strong phenotypes, but I think also there's going to be some delightful phenotypes in the forbidden fruit cross because forbidden fruit itself has a great high mom's cherry pie, every cherry pie cross, uh, 
uh, Seattle Chronic was talking about Bicket. That's uh, GMOs and cherry pie. Cherry pie has a wonderful fucking high. Uh, forbidden fruit, if you mix it right, it has a great high too. But some phenotypes would yeah. be kind of goofy. Did you have? I made a forbidden. Fruit? I made a forbidden fruit in Romulan. and I you called see. it Enoch's Kush that I never really released. Oh, um, I had clones that were cultivated big facilities up north. were growing and, and selling in dispensaries and stuff. They had it under a different name, Nectar. So if anyone ever uh, smoked Nectar from a dispensary, that was the flower the name. Name Nectar. Um, okay. Yeah, that was that was my cut. That was Enoch's Kush. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I never released it because the, the seeds themselves, the progeny was a little unstable and, and I don't like any instability that I'm seeing and testing going out. So never released it, but there was stuff that was really, really good within it. Really, really good. That's, that, that is a paradox. You'll find some stuff. I have an entire fucking bag of uh, probably wonderful seeds that were basically like an accidental pollination of this old platinum Yeti. People have heard me talking many times. Remember, oh, platinum Fewer platinum yeti, uh, but basically I have probably two thousand seeds. But basically they were a result of one of their sisters unstably basically nannering, or even I think that plant may have been a full on ball sacks. Yeah, it was full on ball sacks and just spraying, you know, pollen all over everything, all over all the different phenotypes. And so from just the the two plants that I love, I have several thousand seeds. And I always think about fucking platinum, and I'm like, ah, oh, better not. The fruit yeah. of a rotten tree, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and uh, in fact, you just reminded me to connect the dots with what we were talking about earlier again. Um, I did recently actually breed with something that I found out after the fact while I was getting into testing the, the seeds I had made. I then found out what the cut was. Um, the cut was given to me... Um, uh, Sinmate cookies. And I was under the assumption that it was Sin City Seeds actual breeder cup. And so I was going to do a cross with it as part of a collaboration with this uh, facility that sells flour all over California. They're a big company. And um, I made the seeds and I'm getting into testing them. I'm germinating, growing them out. And I'm getting, you know, I think I was actually already in flour when I found out. Um, because I was starting to have an issue and I warned them because between the two of us were picking a keeper cut and they're going to turn it into flowering growth and facility. Um, at some point I, I called them and I said, Hey, this is, you know, like right off the bat unstable and, and a heavy percentage of the progeny. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, um, seeing them, you know, immediately on day five and seven, along with the stigmas coming out, they're also creating male flowers. Oh, yikes. Um, that's, that's, that's a genetic term right there. There's no really way around that it's it's stress causing. Then it can be, but usually you don't see it like that. Usually it's it's popping up, but it's not a very uniform stigmas and male parts, female and, and male, um, uniform throughout the whole plant. Usually when it's that, it means it's it's a genetic thing that's going on. So I warn them, I'm seeing like a 20, 30% right off the bat. Um, so I give them a warning and you know, okay, no big deal. But uh anyway, I found out the cut was a their keeper selection from S1 seeds. So they selected it from a reversed self S1 stock, kept a clone from that. And then that's what I bred with. The result was not necessarily that this is a rule or that it's going to happen to everyone, but my experience recently was a very heavy amount of instability within the progeny to the point where it's not something you can put out in the public. 
We often hear that uh, Smash, we've talked about this before, that uh, a lot of our favorite strains come from uh, accidental herbs. GG4, uh, Cam, on and on. Well, Cam, actually, we don't know the story, but we presume maybe that it was a herb. Allegedly, the story is. But still, regardless, a bunch of different stuff has apparently been uh, uh, essentially unstable herbs, basically. Uh, does that mean stuff. that... Go ahead. Most of the, no, just added to to what you're saying. Most of the famous stuff we we come to know was an accident. And so, what is that? You know, like uh, what do they say? Correlation is not causation. But I mean, like it's kind of weird that all these accidents are so popular. Does that mean that the only thing that are is really good are genetic accidents, or is that a wrong assumption? Is that basically just that maybe? Those were accidents and those were good. And, you know, in the future, it'll be something else. But also, is there anything to them being good just because they're accidents? Is that, is, I mean, uh, uh, they say, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, genetics likes variety. I can't think of the fucking expression. Never mind. Whatever they say, I guess I'm forgetting. I, I, I got the, I, I got my answer and uh, I guess I'll hop off after this. It's getting late. I got to get off here. Um. Okay, so uh, remind me what the question was because I'm I'm so fucking high on the uh, right <laughs> for a half hour. I'm so strong. All right, uh, fuck. I'm already sort of forgetting the question that I literally just asked. Uh, the shit on brick. Rewind um, the tape. Does anyone? Does anyone get us something? Exactly. Oh, for fuck's sake! Ironically, the YouTube viewers can and do I, that. I can't. Captain four twenty. What was I just saying? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed that Ronlin's jumping off because I was going to jump back a little bit farther in our conversation, get back into genetics. But I understand if you're really high and it's really late, that's cool. Watch the last podcast I was on with Fumi. Watch the one I was on. It's like three and a half hours long and we covered all kinds of stuff. Oh, and then you were on Flores. Oh, I haven't even seen the one that you were on with Flores, but apparently you were on there for like three hours too, huh? Yeah, yeah, watch Flores too. Uh, Flora Nugs. Uh, I was on his for almost four hours. So, um, and and we covered a bunch of other things as well. So, oh, there we um, go. Thank you, Ryan. Are accidents special? In other words, are okay. genetic accidents special in some way? So, yeah. So the way you had worded it gave me this really great. I was like, okay. So here's the thing: when you go out and you create and you, and you, you make things in cannabis, a lot of people maybe from the outside kind of have this perception of like you know, we created this, each seed, you know, like sometimes you're held accountable as a breeder for each individual seed. And for fuck's sake, I'm sorting through thousands of those things, man. I'm putting them into packs. I'm going bleary eyed by the time I get to pack number 20. Okay. Um, it's, it's, (laughs) it's not fun work. It's not easy to do, but in any event, each one of those little seeds is a representation of like an artwork, something that I've done. Right. So I, and we do we we do our best to try to control everything and try to make sure each seed that goes out is mature and all those things. But you know, there's all kinds of people in this industry that are holding you to the standard of this seed looks a little too pale or it looks a little too immature, or you know, this seed didn't germinate and the other five did, whatever it may be. This is mother nature, you know, and, and we do do our best. And it's why and I offer a satisfaction guarantee and all the shit. Yeah, it's why I replace seeds because it's like I, I can't control everything. You know, neither can you as, as, as the, as the customer and the grower. But when it comes to accidents, the thing is we're all out here and we're making things. And every now and then we make something that's great. Okay. 
And great isn't legendary. There's a difference. When everyone oh. out there that smokes it and grows it, everyone out there that smokes it and grows it, like GG number four, everyone Super knew that nice. thing hermed. Yeah. The plant itself hermed, and it was difficult to grow properly if you didn't know what you were doing. But the ones grown. that grew it properly knew how damn good that flower was. They didn't give a shit because they knew how to grow it. And other people would complain, but it would still became a legend because that's how the smoke is. And this is what it always comes down to. The smoke. When you can pass that joint to someone and they're like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is I? Wow. And now they want to grow it. And it may be something that's difficult to grow. So, you know, it, it becomes not quite as high up as a legend, but the things that have stuck around and been the true test of time where they just keep being bred with, keep being talked about, the clone keeps getting passed around, people keep smoking and growing the flower. Those are the ones, the, the legendary cuts, the legendary strings and cultivars. The reason they're different is because of how it smokes and how it makes you feel. There's people who tell stories about stuff about how it tasted, but that shit's not legendary. It's not. Otherwise, it would still fucking be here. So, and, and there's some strains that have tested, like, but, but the some thing of us got busted, by the way. But the well, thing is, Landon's. Yeah, there is that exception. Some people got busted and the cut was lost because of that. Some people had accidents, some people passed away. There's those exceptions, right? But there are people out there that are currently still breeders and still alive that had cuts that were legendary years ago. And people talk about how that's not around anymore. And they usually only talk about how it smelled and tasted. So to an extent, like things are generational. Like I talk about gorilla glue nowadays, and people are like, "Oh, that's that's old school." And I'm like, "That's not that old." Like, no, it's really not. It amuses me though that it's becoming old school. It's it's kind of cracks me up that it's become like an OG thing, and now Josie Wales has passed away, and everything else it becomes like this legendary thing, where it used to be like same thing with GMO. Thing. People think it's old, right? <laughs> Bud Kilowatt was saying how in LA apparently everyone is super over the GMO. Like if you have GMO terps, no one even wants to to dab it apparently because they're so the Skittles terps, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, what's uh, Stranana? Well, although that's actually been, uh, played out a lot. That's of actually Stranana is delicious. Yeah, no, it, it always cracks me up when I hear stuff like that, like Tangy or whatever else. I'm just like, I don't mind some tell me more. Yeah, I don't. None of those bother me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people get so fed up with stuff, but I, get, I don't know. I guess people. But like, the right, younger, guys, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hop off. Romulan, always a pleasure. Cheers, All right, brother. Have a good night, Romulan. For having me, brother. Yeah, I really man. appreciate it. It was really yeah, good man. hanging out with you guys. Talk to Dude, you if you ever. If I'll definitely do it again soon. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Bye. Yeah, thank you guys. Peace. Cheers, Robin. Uh, Robin and Genetics, everybody. Great show so far. These are the colors